We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The last football Friday of the 2023-24 NFL season. And boy, we got to talk about NFL honors. Pretty good night for the Cleveland Browns. We got to talk about... Uh, the the big game on Sunday, Super Bowl 58, and all the pomp and circumstance that comes with it. We got the Cavs winning another game. We got a a new offensive coordinator needed in uh, in Columbus. So we got plenty to talk about. But hi, Daryl Ryder's joining us today. Long live the Bill O'Brien era in Columbus. I'll re- I'll remember those three weeks for the rest of my life. I thought it was I thought it was 30 days. It was 21 days. <laughs> And so I have pinpointed, I think day 11 was the best. Day 7 gave it to runs for it money. Day 20 really had some moments, Listen, I but think, day 11. I think day 14, you're way off base. Day See, 14 that's was That's exactly what I thought you'd say is you're a day 14 kind of guy. I am definitely a yeah. day 14 kind of guy. I, I do like can, I just I, a little consensus here. You know, Ohio State and Michigan, we're, we're obsessed with getting a Michigan man or an Ohio State guy. <laughs> And people have vastly overrated Urban Meyer's one year with Earl Bruce where they won six games, and that was like the justification. He gets us. Does 21 days count enough to call Bill O'Brien an Ohio guy? <laughs> no. He drew a check from the university. He did. He he had like an apartment or a hotel room right down the, ho- right down the road from the facilities. Like, the man's going to have to pay income tax next year in the city of Ohio for 21 days, I I think that's an Ohio guy to me. Keith, you're on the other side of this rivalry. Is he a Michigan? Or sorry, is he an Ohio guy now? No, I don't think so. By the way, the best meme that I saw today was the Bill O'Brien era in Columbus, and it was a video of Aaron Rodgers running the American flag out for the Jets this year. <laughs> I also like. Uh, I do love anybody that's pointed out. You know. Uh, the quarterbacks didn't throw any interceptions under the Bill O'Brien era. By the way, it didn't take long. Pete Thamel's already saying they're targeting Chip Kelly, and it ah, could happen as soon as today. That is delicious. So just – and you know what I really like about Chip Kelly being the new offensive coordinator? It takes all that panic about Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College, a job he was going to be fired next year if he didn't win 10 games next year because that's how it works – is they had two straight six-win seasons. He was on the verge of getting fired. The man did the smart thing going back to the NFL as a defensive coordinator. And then when Chip was interviewing for any NFL OC job, what was, oh, see, this it's an exodus. It's an exodus. What we're hearing is it's better to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State than it is to be the head coach at UCLA. And I would just like to point out it's better to be the head coach at UCLA than it is to be at Boston College. So now Bill O'Brien has to pull out and go to UCLA. <laughs> Think about it. Stay 21 days at Boston College so you get your, your Boston bona fides and then go right to UCLA. I'm having uh, Chip Kelly interviews with the Browns flashbacks right oh, now. Oh, my God. Was that the – okay. So you're the whole this guy interviewed at this time – and if I can't say this on air, if this has never been reported, please feel free to dump it. Okay. Chip Kelly was the guy that got up in the middle of the interview and walked out, right? That was the Joe Banner interview. 
where they were sitting down at dinner. Joe Banner was being, uh, from what I know, Joe Banner, right. and it was it was either Chip Kelly or it was Wizen Hunt. It was somebody. It, I, I don't think it was Chip Kelly because Chip's interview like went forever, uh-huh. and then he just decided he, you know. The Brown, that the Browns were not the team for him. <laughs> that there were better jobs available yes. than working for the, uh, those the, Browns. The janitor at a subway was a better job than being I, the head coach of the Browns. If anybody remembers, I, I distinctly remember it, it had to have been Joe Banner because I actually think it was, I don't think it was 2013. I think it was 2014, right about the time that, that Joe met his fate in Cleveland. But there was a story about a Browns candidate and I, I'm i 99% sure. And the Browns were like, remember all those hot reports? And heavy. The Browns were hot and heavy for yes. Chip Kelly. They were so close. It was the, I think it was the 2013 hiring cycle, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And um, and like everyone was acting like it was a done deal, and then it wasn't a done deal. Yeah. Like, well, ugh. so I actually, I so now I really do think it was the Chip Kelly thing, where they had been at dinner for so long, and Chip Kelly got up to take a call. And that call was from the Eagles, and he said, and I, uh, this is not a quote, but, and I quote, uh, so when do you need me in Philly, bye. <laughs> I, like, I, that, is, that is my remembrance of the story of Chip Kelly being at dinner. That, that is like you take a girl out to dinner, and she, at like three hours in, after professing her love for you, has to go to the, uh, powder her nose, and she's calling her, uh, her ex-boyfriend, when are you going to pick me up? Like that's the kind of thing that is, happens only to the Browns. Is it wrong when I'm on dates? I and they do the I have to use the restroom. I look to see if they left their coat and purse. <laughs> no, I think I actually think that's pretty smart. Because here's the thing: the worst part of it is not having someone just check out on you. On right, a, it's the waiting. Right, because then people start to notice. Yes, and then the waiter notices. And if the waiter's noticing, no offense, waiters, you, you're not you don't you're not chill. All right, so the, the waiters are going to tell other people, and the waiters are going to tell the other tables. Can you believe what's happening to this guy? Um, Check out table six. There's nothing wrong with being ghosted in that moment, there, except for if you're waiting three hours. I can neither hours. confirm nor deny that that may or may not have ever happened to me in my life. I think that's happened to most guys, right? Yeah. I mean, not to me, of course. Well, but to most guys, well, because I've been with my N- wife Nessa since I was 21. would never do that to No, you. she should have a long time ago, but that's, that's her bad decision-making. Um, speaking of good decision making, the NFL honors went way better than we thought. We were we were thinking last night we're gonna get one of four. Maybe if you're lucky, you get two of four. And lo and behold, coach of the year, Steven, aka Kevin Stefanski, uh, defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett, assistant coach of the year, stunner Jim Schwartz, who who the pre-show Jim Schwartz, I need I need crunk Jim Schwartz around Berea all the time now. And then comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco, even though he said, I don't think I should get that award. Yeah. Four for four last night uh, for, for what they could have done. I was blown away. I, I couldn't believe that they uh, they won all four. Not to say that they weren't deserving of winning all of those awards, but just, you know, y- you figure that the, the national media isn't going to give the Browns a lot of love and, you know, but they did. Um, and... You know, there's been a little pearl clutching over Stefanski winning coach of the year again over D'Amico Ryans. Only the thirteenth so, coach to win uh, the coach of the year twice. Twice, yeah, yeah, um, or two times or more, I should say. Right, and you know, there's the the, the Demar Hamlin debate. Should he have won because of returning from cardiac arrest mm-hmm. to to play in the NFL? By the way, that is an argument I want no part of. 
because if you choose a, if you go against him, you're 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 in any way negating right. how impressive that was. If you go for him, it feels a little bit hair tussly to me. Yeah, it feels a little bit like hey, you didn't there's, die. The, there's no angle of that that doesn't feel a little icky to me. Right. Um. There's there's no winning that argument on either side, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a great night for the Browns, no question about it. And it just shows how far this organization has come. It shows how much they are now uh, respected instead of being the punchline and the monologues of NFL honors. Thank you, Carolina Panthers, for taking that mantle. Um, they earned it the it, hard way. All of, yes, yeah. they did yeah. in many good, ways. And by the way, good looking out for a Yinzer, because uh, Dave Tepper's from Pittsburgh. Good looking out for a Yinzer of stealing that that uh, that glow from the Cleveland Browns. Thank yeah. you, sir. Thank you. Well, Re- bringing well back that rivalry by by completely becoming the most irrelevant organization in football. Yeah, but I mean, it do, it does say just how far this organization has come under the Stefanski and Andrew Berry regime, and the the amount of respect now that they get. Uh, you know, Miles My- Garrett did not finish in the top five in sacks in the NFL this past season. I think he was uh, seventh. And he won Defensive Player of the Year because he is that well-respected um, nationwide. Sorry, T.J. Watt. Uh, here's a Kleenex and a quarter. Go call someone who cares. Um, but it's it's fantastic for the Browns. You know, I you just you you feel so much. If you're a Browns fan today, I, I know it's like not the trophy you want, and it's you know first couple of trophies the Browns have had in a while. But like that's pretty cool. You're nominated for those, all those, and you won them all. And the Joe Flacco story is something we are going to tell for generations to come. Regardless if he comes back for 2024 or he resumes his career elsewhere, that two and a half months is just something that is going to stay with all of us for the rest of our lives. It was it it was incredible. I think you're right to point out the narrative shift on the Browns. And really, by the way, guys, it's it's like the Panthers. There are very few teams. Like for a really long time, there was like the Browns, the Jets, the Raiders, yeah. maybe the Bucks here and there. Like there were four or five teams that were in that vicinity with the Browns. Now it's pretty much one team. But I do think it's a, a sign of where the Browns are, how far the Browns have come in four years. I was just happy for Miles. Yeah, I, I don't give a damn about any of the noise. I thought Micah Parsons was uh, Micah Parsons was incredibly classy last night, knowing he wasn't going to win. Um, yeah, Miles, and, and him posting, hey, and even clapping back at T.J. Watt yeah. and just saying, sorry, bud, you were not the better player. You might have had better numbers, but you weren't the better player. And we'll get into the T.J. Watt thing and the Pittsburgh, the Yinzer panic, which I just delighted in. I just have spent the last 24 hours trolling. We'll get to that in a moment. But, like, for Miles, it is a legacy thing. And yes. so I'm happy for him because I don't just think Miles is underrated um, nationally, I think Miles is still underrated to some degree in Cleveland. I I and, think that that's fair. Um, but no, I mean you can't say he's. It's kind of like Baker Mayfield, right? When you're the number one pick in the draft, you're no longer an underdog. Like yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like you just you can't keep playing that card when you're the number one pick in the draft. The expectations come with that. You know, as far as Miles goes, for yeah, a couple of years, I felt like he was underrated nationally. That he wasn't getting his just due respect. That I felt that he was deserving of, but I, I can't say that now. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like he, he got his love last night. Now that was great to see. Uh, he's, he's going to go to Canton someday, by the way. So are you TJ Watt? So shut up. Uh, so was Lamar Jackson. Don't give it all when TJ, I got a whole segment 
<laughs> making fun of the inbred losers in Pittsburgh and in the surrounding counties and TJ Watt. Because yeah. I actually do have a legitimate beef with TJ about it that's less about the conversation and more about how you conduct yourself. We are reacting to the NFL honors last night. Four for four are the Browns, and number one uh, in, in at least my mind was Miles Garrett winning the Defensive Player of the Year award, the first in his career. And before I get to the actual reaction to this player, did when everybody saw the TJ Watt crybaby tweet where uh, TJ threw an adult-sized temper tantrum and basically leaked that it wasn't that that he wasn't going to win the Defensive Player of the Year award by saying it's not something I'm it's, it's something like now nah, I'm going to butcher the whole damn thing. Might as well read it. Nothing I'm not used to, which is a double negative, but. I'm just curious. The second you saw that that tweet by TJ before the thing even started, did you think to yourself, "Oh, Miles is going to win"? Because I, I'll be honest with you, I thought TJ was the great threat. I didn't think it was Micah, no matter how great a season Micah had. I, the second I saw that, I was, I was like 99% sure Miles was going to win the Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Yeah. I so, can't really tell the story of <laughs> what actually went down yesterday. I may or may not have had an idea that it was going to be a good night for the Browns. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that would make sense. You're part of the Browns beat. You've yeah. got a job to do. Um, so, I knew I knew to be glued to my TV starting at 9 o'clock. So, <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And, and I had certain segments. I had the phone standing by to record certain audio segments of the program. <laughs> so here was, I guess here was my bigger problem. Um, I have no problem with a player being disappointed that they didn't win player of the year. I or d- defensive player of the year, MVP, whatever. I all, get it. All I know is Miles Garrett has been in the running for that award the last couple of years, and you never saw him do something like that. Well, and I think so to me, it's it's it is that. And I just think I think one, spoiling it is trashy. Two, throwing a temper tantrum on social media. Because it's not like TJ, and I understand that there are financial implications on this. It's not like TJ hasn't won it before. Right. He, he won it two years ago. Yeah. The guy is a six-time Pro Bowler. The guy is four-time uh, first-team all-NFL um, all team. So the guy has been voted damn near everything you need. So this idea that, oh, I'm, I've been persecuted, it's like, no. The fans voted you in the Pro Bowl. The NFL writers voted you an all uh, all NFL team, first team all NFL team, right. and you've been a defensive player of the year award. So if, if this if this was they were both vying for the that first one, right? This was legacy wars. I get it, but it wasn't. It was just a guy, and this is actually what pisses me off about it. And I tweeted as much because I very rarely will tweet like this where I go after a player, mostly because I I get how. People do this kind of stuff, and it ends up blowing up, and it gets annoying and all that. I didn't care in this sense. To me, it's not just about Miles Garrett. To me, I don't give a damn that T.J. Watt thinks he should be the defensive player of the year. That's your prerogative. You played. If I was competitive, I'd feel the same damn way if I had the kind of season he had. To me, it was he wasn't just dogging Miles Garrett. It was he was dogging Micah Parsons. He was dogging every other player that had a claim to this. And these these just inbred Yinzer fans, these just yokels who come out of the woodwork because our our, our boy TJ said so. We got to go downtown. We got to protect TJ. Like these just morons 
who act as if he was the only guy that had a good season because of a stat. Like, yes, he led the league in sacks. Other stats do matter. And the, and the, the, my favorite thing is, well, Miles only really conquered like, like made-up stats. Hey, Jabroni, they're all made up. Every stat is made up. They didn't they didn't calculate sacks until like 1981. Yeah. So like this idea, oh st- that stats made up. All are you're paying attention selectively to the one that favors your case cuz he's your favorite player, which is fine. But like guys, if if Miles had lost to Micah Parsons, you know what I would have had to say? Mike is a hell of a football player. If Miles had lost to TJ Watt, I would have said TJ is a hell of a football player. Uh, if if Chris Jones had been one of the finalists, and I think that's the guy that has a gripe because that guy has been consistently one of the most impactful pass rushers and, and players, defenders, defensive linemen in the NFL. If Chris Jones had won, I'd say that's a hell of a football player. So the idea that TJ felt entitled to it, that's what pissed me off. That's what's classless. Yeah, is it great that he tweeted about it? Now nah, you look like a baby. You look like a big, dumb baby. And I think you need to have a little bit more perspective on life if if the Defensive Player of the Year award means that much to you versus, I don't know, getting your first playoff win of your, your career. Tiger almost got out of the cage there. But then when he implied that that he – because the, the implication here, let's be real honest, the implication is he was owed that award, right. and he is not. Every year, we the, the idea that there's one guy that should win it is in itself a fallacy. We're talking about the award that represents half of the half of the game. And so, honestly, every year, there's like 15 guys that should be pissed they didn't win it. But because he's won it, he feels like he's owed it. Because he plays in Pittsburgh. Because he's really good. And I'm here to tell you, TJ, you're not even the best defensive player on your team. I would, I would Alex see- Highsmith is every bit yep. the player that you are. And think about because that's the other part of this. Like... T.J. Watt, in dogging every other person for that award, he dogs his own teammate. Yeah. Alex is the uh, – think back to that second and nine play that that ended the game from Cleveland's perspective. Who actually made the play happen? It wasn't T.J. Nope. T.J. got the glory. T.J. got he, the scoop and score. He cleaned it up. Who made the play? It was Alex Highsmith. So you are lucky to play across from a guy who doesn't get any sort of the accolades – because he plays across from you simply because you were drafted first and you had that first breakthrough first and you play for the it organization or one of the it organizations and you feel entitled to it, I, I lost every bit of respect for TJ Watt. And I listen, we already saw the the wrenching on Petonio's knee in the one Pittsburgh game. I already started to think less of this guy. Yeah, you're a good football player, but you are a soft ass, you know what, and that guy can frig all the way off from now to the end of history. You are entitled to nothing. You have you have the greatest job that you have things that other people can't even dream of. Like you are the 1% of 1% on of football players and you care about an award and you care about fronting on social media like you are a loser. Like I'm sorry, no respect for that guy. From now and I've said a lot of nice things about guys that play in Pittsburgh, that play in Baltimore. I always respect great players, not TJ Watt anymore. I have had conversations about the differences between – because, see, TJ, to your point, you're right. He's not even the best defensive player on his own team, number one. Number two, he benefits from all the work that's done in front of him, whereas Miles Garrett has to do the dirty work himself. Yes. And Miles is still great doing the dirty work himself. 
TJ Watt doesn't have to beat double and triple teams. Yep. He doesn't have to beat a double team and then a chip on top of the double team to get to the quarterback or to create a play like Miles Garrett does. Yep. Like it, it's um I agree with everything you said. Um and he's not even the best defensive player on his team. But yeah, to to whine and complain cuz you didn't win defensive Look, Miles Garrett when he first got drafted, one of the first things he had talked about was on his to-do checklist as an NFL player was defensive player of the year. Like, that mm-hmm. was one of the first things he said, aside from obviously winning a Super Bowl. He wanted to win defensive player of the year. And he was motivated by that. And every year that he didn't win it, he didn't jump on social media to cry and complain because he got snubbed again. He just went in the offseason and worked even harder mm-hmm. and did something else. Hired another person to work with him in the offseason for whether it was weightlifting or agility or uh, fitness or uh, dietary or whatever. Okay, that that's how Miles Garrett responded to his own perceived snubs because you can make an argument the last couple of years he was deserving of winning that award, mm-hmm. and that's the proper way to react to not getting something that you want. Not like a 40-year-old child who just got denied a toy at the grocery store from Mama. Well, and I think it says a lot about the class of Pittsburgh Steelers fans who have held themselves in a high regard for what they've what their organization has accomplished, that they are as um, there's in the gutter as any fan they, base. They, they want to fire Mike Tomlin. That tells yes. you all you need to know yeah, about and by their the intelligence. Way, that's not just about him being a coach. Let's just be yeah. honest about Pittsburgh's relationship with people that uh, that don't that don't quite fit the Yinzer profile. Let's just talk about Pittsburgh and their classiness. But to every Pittsburgh media member that that carried water for T.J. Watt, um, yeah, I'm sorry, this is embarrassing. Because here again, if you gave T.J. the award, I would have no problem. He's a hell of a football player. But like, it is one awards are subjective. And, and what people in Pittsburgh have turned this into is it is a Lifetime Achievement Award for Miles. Right. No. Cut on the tape. Like, this is why. Yes, absolutely. Does sacks matter? 100%. But, but watch a game down the stretch and tell me Miles Garrett disappeared. But because you're looking at box scores, because you're, you're watching your own team, which is fine, right. you're not looking at what really happened. That's why pro football focus matters, because it's not simple as, did you record a sack, yes or no? Because that, especially in a 3-4 defense where you're playing three, uh, uh, three yards, uh, you know, three to five to seven feet off the line of scrimmage, like and playing with Alex Highsmith, and playing in front of Cam Hayward, and playing in that defense – you're going to your your path to success is different than a guy with his hand in the dirt. Yeah. But again, don't just like watch the friggin' tape. And if you watch the tape, and it's why pro football uh, focus matters because that guy was impacting games with one arm. And I, listen, I think the Browns did the wrong thing. The Browns should have been very honest. Miles post the shoulder injury did not have the same consistent and I'm talking about when I say I'm not talking about impact I'm talking about he he it took him an extra half second to get where he needed to go because he just couldn't throw guys and ragdoll him he was still listen last four games this year 35 total pressures do you know how Prince TJ Watt had 21 so yes he had more sacks but when it comes to the entire picture 
to, to this narrative that, well, Miles disappeared. The 35 total pressures in the final four games of this, se- uh, this season would tell you that didn't happen. Miles still has an impact, even if he's not getting to the damn ball, in a way that very few defensive ends get paid attention to. And it is just, I, I just, I, I've never lost respect for somebody more quickly than I have for TJ Watt and any of those inbred hucksters over in Pittsburgh. I give the voters a lot of credit because w- leading up to things, and you and you know other hosts on the station asked me, you know, do, you know, Miles's chances of winning. I'm like, I don't think they're that good because a lot of the voters they're looking at the box scores, and when you look at the box scores, the numbers don't add up. You know, mm-hmm. not didn't finish top five in sacks, and I thought that that was something to be held be held against them because they're not sitting there watching Cleveland Brown film. And I, I think the voters got it right. I think they did the right thing. Um, I commend them. Like, they actually treated Defensive Player of the Year the way it should be treated. Like, let's be honest about it. League MVP is about the best quarterback on the best team. Yeah. Like, that's what that award has now become. And I'm not taking anything away from Lamar. He is a, in my view, a he could retire tomorrow. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is doing things, in my view, that, yes, other quarterbacks have done, but he's doing it at an elite level. He's doing it almost, even better than some of the original trailblazers. I'm not taking that bait right now, but that's okay. okay. Well, uh, I, I respect your Lamar take <laughs> until I don't later in the show. But, but, you know, this was about the complete player and the and the impact that Miles had. And also, too, it helped that the Browns finished, like, number one in total defense, pass defense, getting off the field on third down, uh, fewest first downs allowed. Like, you know, that's... Jim Schwartz won the assistant of the year for the same reasons, right? Like, and I, you heard Jim Schwartz uh, after the the awards last night. He, he said, "I'm I'm not here without Miles Garrett." Like, Jim knows where the bread's buttered. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, uh, I'm with you 100. percent And again, Miles has been snubbed in previous years, and what he did was he went into the off season and said, "You know what? That box still isn't checked. I got to get my butt back in the gym." I've got to do A, B, C, and D for me to get to get to that level that I want to go, and that's how you respond to that stuff. That yeah. not like, on social media yeah. like a cheap jag. Who I it just entitlement bug me. I, I appreciate how well you're censoring yourself because I'm trying. The, you it, saw it when I did. It, I almost dropped an f bomb. You saw it in my <laughs> eyes. Yeah, that it was on my soul that we were. You know what? You know what? FCC. I'm gonna have to take this one. All right, this is the one. And it's and really, it's less about Miles. It is less about Miles, and it is more that anyone in the NFL. That, to me, is disrespectful. Yeah. You know, like, you could have made a case that three quarterbacks could have won the MVP. This year was not a clear-cut case at, at the uh, MVP either. Yeah. And if, if any one of those guys had done that, you are disrespecting the proceedings, you're disrespecting the honor of the game that you think so highly of yourself and so little of anybody else that you deserve that award. You deserve nothing. And you know what? I here's It's the Albert Bell effect. Good luck ever winning the NFL Defensive Player Year uh, again. Good luck for that. Because voters, they're human beings. And voters will take this as a shot across the bow. I hope that guy never wins another damn award. And I, I, I don't be surprised if TJ gets two less votes than he should have if he's, a, again, next year, a damn good football player. And that's what a real man does. You know what? Would have loved to win it. That's a damn good football player. 
It's called class, TJ. Maybe look it up. You mentioned something, though, because I, I, I don't like to gloss over this. I, I like to actually get into it. I think one of the biggest reasons why it was so important for Miles to win that award is I do think it's the kind of thing that is is the, the box you check off to go to Cannes. I think there are still more things to come. But I think, man, when you start talking about his, his statistical output, right? pretty much 15 sacks a year every year for the last six years, um, and you look at and kind of broadcast that forward, you keep up anything that is close to that production, and maybe we start to get some team success. And I like right now, I think it's likely that Miles is a Hall of Famer. I think he's already there. Uh, why? Um... Because he got this box check, number one. Number two, he's the Browns' all-time franchise sack leader, and now it's not even close. He's running away with it at this point. Um, it's been consistent since the day he was drafted. Um, he is the only player in the NFL over the last six seasons to have 10 or more sacks. He's the only player in the NFL in the last three seasons to have at least 14 sacks. Um, there's longevity here in success. He's racking up the pro the the Pro Bowls, which believe it or not is a measuring stick. Like Joe Thomas going into the Hall of Fame, uh, we knew that once once Joe got that tenth straight Pro Bowl, that sealed it for him in, mm-hmm. in my view. Because for an offensive lineman, that's kind of really the only metric. All it's Pro Bowls and All Pros, right? Those are the only metrics that you really can kind of go by uh, when you're voting on uh, the offensive lineman. That's why when we have a conversation about like Joel Batonio. If he can get to the Pro Bowl and be an All-Pro again next year, I think that legitimately puts him in the conversation for the Hall of Fame, even though trying to get in as a guard is like almost as impossible as getting Clay Matthews into the Hall of Fame at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, uh, just uh, we should have more guards in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. We should have less kick returners, well, they, but that's neither here nor there. They, they put Devin Hester in, and, and look, I'm not arguing against it. I am. I, I don't. I, he's a kick returner. I understand. He's got six plays a game. Good for you. But in that era, what he did mattered. Like I, I thought I kind of felt like Josh Cribbs deserved consideration. I don't know that Josh Cribbs deserves to get into the Hall of Fame, but I now that you've put Devin Hester in, I think he at least deserves a conversation at this point. I think the only reason Josh Cribbs will never get in, and the only reason why Devin Hester did. Is he returned a, a touchdown in the Super Bowl? Yeah, and if and I, I just I hate it, 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 emotional. Well, it was the thing one that play, gets lost about Josh, run. though, here's the thing that gets lost about Josh. He was he was more than just a returner. He was a gunner too. He was one of the premier special teams tacklers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me, that's I don't remember Devin Hester making many spectacular tackles on uh, special teams, and that so that's. An, another feather from my perspective in Cribs's cap. Again, I'm not saying Cribs deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but I think there's a conversation there to be had now that just, Hester's just in. Get back to the, or just to get back to the Miles thing, he's 94th in sacks right now all time okay. with at 88 and a half. So that is less of oh that that's that because we're gonna have more s- stats to kind of start yeah. an, uh, analyzing and, he, and, he, and he's gonna and move this. up you know in the but, next couple of years he's gonna move up those rankings. Well, I but, think health matters, but yeah. I do think you're right. Like once you get to a, around a seven or eight year run, I, I th- at this level I think is when it really starts to all right. That's the conversation. Can I tell you the one thing I do think he needs? Okay, I, I think he needs a, at least one deep playoff run. Okay. And I, I, cause like I look at a guy like, uh, he's gonna, I think Miles next year is gonna 
leapfrog Joey Porter. Joey Porter's got, um, was it 98 sacks? All right, that's a guy. I think, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm doing the Joey Porter thing. Two different thoughts at once. I think you have to get to 100. Okay. I also think you start to look at some of the guys who don't have where, let's say, a guy like uh, Reggie White or Bruce Smith is. Those other guys have a Super Bowl ring. Those other guys yeah. have a, have that. And that's not, it has little to actually do with Miles and just Miles be giving, giving fans that indelible image of that wow moment in January or in February. And, and imagine the story there, too. His rookie year, the Browns didn't win a game, mm-hmm. right? 0-16, the lowest of the lows, laughing stock of the league, right? Seven years later, he's defensive player of the year. Team has made the playoffs twice in four years. The head coach has been coach of the year twice in four years, right? Um, he was able to do that without leading the NFL in sacks. Mm-hmm. Think about think again. I think that there's something to be that to me is what makes this award even more special for Miles is because he didn't dominate in the box score. He dominated on the field on the film. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? And he and he got recognized for that, which is very rare in today's day and age, especially in the media. 216-474-0092. How close to being a Hall of Fame lock is Miles Garrett? Now that he has checked that next box off, the uh, Defensive Player of the Year award, you know, something we didn't get into earlier this week when Ross Tucker was here uh, we got into the, the the change in offensive line coach and whether he knew anything about Andy Dickerson. And Ross was <laughs> unflinchingly honest. Nope, not a damn thing. Which is honestly a little surprise. Andy has been in the NFL for, I want to say, about 15 years and, now. And for about 14 of those years, he's been an assistant coach. Yeah. As, assistant position coach, I should say. Um, I, He also was here from 2009 to 2010. Yes. I didn't remember that until I saw his Wikipedia, if we're being fair. But Ross, I, I believe I mentioned it. Um, on this show? Oh. Somewhere. Oh, oh, somewhere. Okay. Like the website. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Uh, maybe Axe. maybe on the street corner, right? You know. Maybe, thank, thanks for following and reading. Maybe at your local restaurant, maybe one of those. Huh? Is that where you mentioned it? <laughs> just I'm just supposed to follow you around, know all your things you mention. Buy some of my takes, bring, you bastard. <laughs> bring it back to yeah. the good old days of the Eric Mangini era. What was my take at 520 yesterday, Daryl? Yeah, I was doing other important things at that particular yeah, time. Looking up pictures of <laughs> Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> All right, that's an off-air. That's an off-air joke wow. that was brought on air. That was that was wow. that was dirty pool by me, and I apologize immediately. It's still funny. However, mom, why did they draw those so big? <laughs> it, it's the it's it's her hands. Yes. Uh, with that, while Ross didn't have a lot to say about Andy Dickerson, he did have a lot to say about the Browns letting Bill Callahan go for nothing. I said this with the guys a couple weeks ago. I thought the Browns should have 
ask the Titans for a draft pick on Bill Callahan, and I still feel that way. I think it's a very, very important position. If he wants to be with his son, totally understandable, totally get it. This is professional football. This is not like, oh, okay, well, your son's in seventh grade and he's on that little league team. Okay, well, you, you can be the co-. No, what are we talking about here? He was under contract with the Browns. The Browns should have gotten some type of draft pick. That smells to me like one of those where the owners don't want to set the precedent of having a position coach ever be traded for a draft choice. But I don't care. I, I wouldn't have not have let Bill Callahan just go. He's under contract. I would have tried to get some compensation. So you've not heard that yet. I'm just curious your response before I get to um, mine. I, I don't, I don't 100% disagree with him, but I think that the bigger picture here, beyond just of beyond the precedent aspect that he that he brought up, is that there's a pretty big goodwill factor here too. The, mm-hmm. the, you know, coaching fraternity is pretty close knit and tight. Um, all the former Browns coaches get together in Indianapolis at the combine every year to toss back. And uh, regale their time working in Berea, Ohio. Um, but you get Jimmy Haslam's money, yeah. and you get Jimmy Haslam. <laughs> Everybody get Jimmy Haslam's money. How many years of severance did you get? Oh, you only had, oh you only had to work one year. Lucky you. I know now. And like we said <laughs> they earlier, you work two. Like like we said, now that's Dave Tepper. Dave right. Tepper's paying three head coaches through twenty twenty six. I know. But uh, get, getting back to uh, Tucker here uh, on the Callahan situation, I, I think that there is more for the Browns to gain by doing the classy thing and just letting him go coach with his son or to coach for his son, rather, because the son's the boss. Um, and that spreads through the NFL community and coaches remember that type of thing because – we all tell the jokes now, just, you know, what a screaming joke the and knee slapper the Cleveland Browns used to be when mm-hmm. it when it came to uh, the revolving door out in Berea with head coaches, assistant coaches, position coaches. Like, it just, you know, I, I, I ran out of room on the spreadsheet tracking all this stuff so, for, for a while. So I think that there's, yes, it's easy to say they should have held them to the contract, should have tried to get a sixth or a seventh round draft pick. I believe the goodwill of doing the right thing and being the good guy. Hey, Bill, thanks for a great four years here. Um, yeah, absolutely. Go go be with your kid. That's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. That's something that I think can pay them two- and three-fold down the road more so than a sixth- or seventh-round draft pick. Yeah, and I think the Browns in these last four years have shown, and this I don't know if this is going to – it's not intended as a – Knock. Although sometimes I do think it's it's to a level that I find a little excessive. But I think the Browns have proven they're super invested in optics. Yeah, and I I think sometimes that bears fruit. Like last night was optics of what the Cleveland Browns are seen as as bearing fruit when you when you have four chances at winning a AP honors or sorry an NFL honors AP yearly award and right. you go four for four. I think like that. So I, but I, I, so the I think it bears matter. It, yes. It, the, the optics absolutely matter, Nick. And it, it just shows how much what Kevin Stefanski did this year was yes. respected. How much Joe, what Joe Flacco was able to accomplish in five games. He mm-hmm. think about that. He won comeback player of the year and he played five games in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, miles and, and then, of course, Jim Schwartz and in, in, in the transformation 
um, that Schwartz had on that side of the football. They went from one of the worst defenses to one of the best in multiple categories uh, in in one season. So it do, it does speak to the perception. And you're right. Yeah, the Browns care about perception. This just in. So does every other professional sports team. Well, maybe um, outside, maybe outside the Carolina Panthers. I mean, so but, I, I do. Okay, so that is a yes, but because you know what they say, perception is reality. Fair, fair or not, right? Because perception isn't always reality. But in life, the old adage of perception is reality. How how people perceive you. That's their reality. That 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 is that is what they believe and 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 what they think until you prove otherwise. And so the for the Browns pre Kevin Stefanski, even when they hired Kevin, it was okay. It's a revolving door. Here's the next sacrificial lamb to come in. He's an unproven coordinator guy from the Minnesota Vikings. Yada yada. Right? Okay. He's paired with Andrew Barry, who comes back from Philadelphia. He was Sashi Brown's top lieutenant. Uh, we know how well the Sashi Brown wars went. Right. And 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 so there's a little bit of a a, a a jaded perception of that, right? Now, four years down the road, you look back on and say, Haslam's got it right. Barry's done a fantastic job in four years. Stefanski, look at all the stuff he's dealt with in four years. He's won two coach of the years, made the playoffs twice. Uh, he's the only Browns coach not named Paul Brown to win 11 games multiple times in his coaching tenure here in Cleveland. Like, this is not an easy place to coach. And a lot of stuff happens here in Cleveland to the Browns that doesn't happen with a lot of other NFL franchises. And it just does, it seems like Kevin Stefanski to me is like the immovable object. He just keeps walking forward. No matter what you throw at him, he's calm, cool, collected, the same guy, mm-hmm. and he just keeps walking forward. He's focused on getting to the end of the tracks, right? And 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 to me, you know, to, to Ross's point about trying to extract and, and – and and force a guy to it, it, is, it, much, is this six rounder really worth it? Is it re- is that juice yeah. really worth that squeeze? Is it really worth that? Do you really want you know maybe another assistant coach you know in the league or whatever they're getting together in the combine? Can you believe the Browns like wouldn't let Bill Callahan go coach with his kid and they wanted a fifth round pick from the uh, from the Tennessee Titans like what nonsense is going on well in, in and the- what he said real quick uh he kind of sloughed off the point of NFL owners don't want to set the precedent because you don't want to pay for an O-line coach with a six round pick in two years either and and if you start setting that precedent of we have a a, a contract here or we're going to make you give Bill Callahan a, a job title switch even though it will be disingenuous right. Okay, then other organizations are going to play hardball with you too. Also, keep in mind the the Browns pay well, both in actual employment and severance. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they do. I mean, they you know, one thing you will not call Jimmy Haslam is cheap. Okay, he spends on the football team, he spends on the coaching staff, he spends on the front office, he spends on the facilities to give them whatever it is. Uh, the only thing Jimmy Haslam asks in return is you win. Bill Callahan was pretty well compensated when he was here. They paid him pretty well. One of the best offensive line coaches in in the National Football League, if not the best, in my opinion. I think he's the best. No, he he was paid like it, and deservedly so. So you and I agree this is a good move not being that guy from your perception standpoint. You and I also agree. Not majoring in the – this this is one of those times where to use – I love Zach Jackson – and when he says this, because I think it describes a lot of things that we've seen over the last 25 years with the Browns, these 
current for this court this regime excluded. Yeah. But they, they used to major in the minors so much. Mm-hmm. To me, had they done what Ross suggested, that would have been a majoring in the minor move to make. And I do think last night proved that perceptional shift. And I think it's funny because you can look at what the Browns have done the last four years and say, well, but we you didn't win a Super Bowl. You didn't make it to an AFC title game. But I think you're – I think this is You're a natural point. Well, but I think this is a natural point. We can look back and go the 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 needle in the bar has really moved these last four years, and the next four years it's going to naturally move forward. Right. But how many times did we want it to move because it was stuck on E or stuck on an eighth of a tank or stuck on uh, in, in, incredibly ne- negative? And so I think like this is a really good moment to look at. Not only was last year real. And and the, and these awards do prove that in the regular season that was an an incredible accomplishment, even though that playoff game sucked. Yeah. But like, it was real. There is some tangible thing here, and you talked about how things aged from bringing in Barry and Stefanski. I'm really, I'm excited to see how things age one year from now, in two years from now, and whether they can continue that momentum. Where I think Browns fans are saying. Well, I'm not going to look back and reward this because it's not where I wanted it to be. Another year or two, it's it, it's very likely you could be where you want to be. Yeah, well, I mean, th- this may shock you, but just because you don't win a championship does not mean your season was a failure. And I, I do think that there's a, uh, a a culture now where you it's easy to get wrapped up in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, what happened in Houston in the in the wild card game was extremely disappointing. And and from my standpoint, shocking, okay? Um, but that does not mean that the season was a failure or the season was a disaster, right? There's a it, difference between it feeling like one and it actually being Correct. One. And, you know, you came away from that loss, and I've said this multiple times, like, what did we just go through all that for, right? That all of that energy ended up getting spent for nothing mm-hmm. because you, you weren't able to advance, right? couple years ago you were literally a play or two away from the conference championship game and and I I believe you were one of a few that asked me so what you know was this uh an opportunity lost for the Browns and I was like yeah nah you know hey they 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 went further than expected uh this is a jumping off point for them they're going to be back and then what happened we saw what happened the next two years it isn't easy what these what these guys do for a living we get to talk about it all the time but what they do it's not easy. It's easy for us to sit here and say, you should be doing this, this, and this, and achieving this, this, and this. And if you don't, you should be fired, or it's a failure, or somebody should be held accountable, right? That's easy to do. But to actually go out there and, and do like what Kevin Stefanski dealt with this year, that team would have gone winless if I was in charge. <laughs> We've been saying that about you for a few years. Live from Pittsburgh on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, Jason Pinkston, former Browns offensive lineman. What's up, Pink? What's going on, man? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, man. The last football Friday of this 2023-2024 season. Did you see T.J. Watt's tweet last night about not winning Defensive Player of the Year? I did. I did. And and it's it's sad that he, you know, he, he chose to go that route and instead of congratulating Miles uh, or whoever, everyone that was involved that were mentioned, you know, for defensive defensive player of the year. You know, I understand that he he, he feels that, you know, he was snubbed there and, and he didn't win it, but 
um, the votes are the votes, and they everyone clearly voted for Miles to win it. And you know, I, I think it's well deserved. And I I do think TJ has a case where he, you know he could say, you know what, I should have won that, you know, based off just uh, of his stats. But you know, you did it, and 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 and, and everyone saw it differently. And 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 kudos to Miles for you know not responding or saying anything negative and and just you know thanking his team, his family, and 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 being supportive of the organization. So I mean, I thought it was Bush League that TJ would make that comment. Pink, uh, I have been trolling Yinzer fans since last night. I mean, buddy, I'm just I'm making inbred jokes. I'm talking about, <laughs> uh, of course, you don't like PFF. You you, you can't do basic math like. It is honestly, it's been the best part to come out of this. Is I've had a lot of fun because they get really sensitive. Um, I th- I'm, this is kind of treacherous waters here because I know you're married to somebody from Pittsburgh. But are Yinzers not everybody from Pittsburgh? But are Yinzers all inbred? No, uh, <laughs> no. I, I think that's a smart play. I, I, you're married. I get it. I get it. We, so, so my wife, she she absolutely despises Pittsburgh. She hates the Steelers. Um, she is, is Cleveland Brown through and through. Um, I, I will say that. But we, 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 we take the inbred jokes and we pass them along to everyone from West Virginia. So, you know, if you're from West Virginia, we're Pitt fans, obviously. Me, you know, I played at Pitt. Her uh, her brother-in-law went to Pitt. Her sister went to Pitt. So we, we save our inbred jokes for everyone from West Virginia when we play them uh, in, in football and basketball. But, you know, it, it, it's funny you say that. Um, about Yinzer Nation is what I like to call them because they are, it's a beehive down here today. And, you know, there's, I, I went to Sam's Club this morning and I see the guys walking around with their TJ Watt jerseys. Uh, I, I truly think they just really don't understand. It's, it, it's more than just stats. You know, if you, if you look at Miles compared to TJ, um, they're just completely different players. You know, I think back to earlier this year when we were playing, the Seahawks and the, I believe it was the Seahawks and and Miles was lined up in the middle of the defense and you know their tight ends were trying to get a beat on where he was going to line up and he just kept running back and forth and they they kept on flipping the tight ends. I mean it, it's a I think it's more than just stats. I think it's how you affect the game and how teams have to prepare for you um, to be defensive player of the year. Now I, I would agree TJ did have some some great stats this year. Um, I, I think he had a, a phenomenal season, but. You know, it's you know, Miles was the winner of the award this year, and you got to hand, you got to give it to him. I have to say, you're a better man than me that put up with the Yinzers in Pittsburgh, Jason. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. It, it is very hard to deal with because you know, it's all it always goes back to you know, we got six Super Bowls and blah 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 blah, and they just you know, they I'm like, guys, half of these dudes that are saying that they they only seen the Steelers win one Super Bowl, and we've seen them lose one. So it's like. I'm so I get so annoyed by the six rings and they're they're just arrogant. They're we're we've we were so used to winning at times and I, and I see it with with Penguins fans too. We were so spoiled with how good the Penguins were and and how often we were winning the back to back cups. And now it's just like you know those guys got older and we're struggling a little bit here. And it's just it's 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 never ending with down here. It's never ending. They might have the worst fan base in the National Football League. Well, you know, they say to to ward off a vampire, you got to have either garlic or like a crucifix. I've found with Yinzers and Steelers fans, like a dental insurance card or like a like a twenty three and Me test. If you start waving those around, they get very uncomfortable 
and they, 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 they tend they, to, to steer clear. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, very sensitive group from the fans to some of their radio personnel. They are very sensitive, um, and, and they, t- they take their football serious, and they, 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 it's either you see it their way or, you, or you're, you're, you're an idiot. That's just how they, that's how they treat you down here. Well, Jason, one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you today is um, you're no stranger to, to dealing with change as an offensive lineman uh, here with the Browns. And uh, I would argue that the Browns have one of the be- better offensive line units uh, in the NFL. And they're going to have to deal with some changes this, uh, this offseason. Bill Callahan let out of his contract to coach uh, for his dad uh, down in Tennessee. Uh, you know, they, they have to make a change there. What's that like? for a player when your position coach and especially offensive line because there's just so many different ways and techniques out there uh how significant is this for guys like Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller and Ethan Postigan even like a young kid like a Dewan Jones yeah you know what it's it, it's it's extremely tough when you go from the guy who's probably one of the best guys in the NFL teaching the position who's been around the game of football and coach Callahan and you know my hat's off to him what he's been able to do for Cleveland over the last couple years and you know I I was kind of so upset that he was leaving to go coach with his you know with his son but then you think about it it's like man when would you you know you you don't often get the opportunity when you can go and you know and and be alongside your kid every day again and you know your families are back in the same city you're not on different schedules you know and you're and you, and you get to see him and help him grow as a young coach in the NFL and it's um I think that was that's a huge loss for us and 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 like you're saying it's change is different man and you know what maybe not so it might not be as hard with the with the older guys. Because they've been around the game, they've played it. You know, you know, you you get to a point in your career where sometimes you you know you really don't need to. I, I wouldn't say I don't want to say not coach the guys, but you're you're more so helping them clean things up and helping them you know continue to be just a consistent player. But I, I think it's more significant for the younger guys when you, when you've been taught a certain way since you stepped into the National Football League to adapt to change. Um, to to a new way that's going to be taught to you. Now, um, you know I, I I do like the hire um, of the new coach. He's a, he's a, he's a young guy. He has some some great experience. Um, he he's won a Super Bowl uh, with the St. Louis last Los, Los Angeles Rams, and I, I thought he could have, did a good good job there. And I also thought he did a, a nice job in Seattle. You know they were you know back to our game. They were you know they averaged. Uh, Six point yards to carry, and that's you know that's not easy to do um, in the National Football League. But it's it's, it's going to be a, a growing a growing process for us, a, a learning process. And you know we have some veteran guys in that locker room that you can you know you can lean on them and and and, and have all the guys pulling in one direction and buying into what this what we're going to be taught here and and learn new, in different ways. And it, it may work, and it might be you know a process for some to learn a new way. And um. It's expected. This is the National Football League, and and change happens, and sometimes too often. But you know, we've 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 learned a lot from Coach Callahan. I don't think we're going to go in there and just reinvent the wheel. I think it's just going to add some things to what they've been taught, and I think that'll help us a, a good degree. All right, Pink. We got to get a Super Bowl prediction out of you, and we also got to get what food you're most looking forward to this weekend at a Super Bowl party. 
So I, I'm I'm really pulling for San Fran. Um, you know, <laughs> I, you, you, it, it's like when when Brady just kept on winning, kept on winning. You just get tired of of hearing about the Chiefs. You know, they're they're a phenomenal football team. They have some great players across the board. They're, they're a good organization. I'm going with San Fran. Um, my, my buddy and college teammate Dom DeSico is one of the national scouts for them. Um, so I, I would love to see a little bit. I think it's going to be a little bit of a high-scoring game. Um, I, I like I like San Fran 31-24. All right, what's that food you're looking forward to, buddy? So we're doing barbecue this weekend. I actually just got done cleaning off the smoker and cleaning off the grill. Um, I, I'm going to throw some – I'm smoking some wings this weekend and, and some ribs. My brother-in-law is uh, doing a, a pork shoulder, and then we'll have all the different appetizers in between. You know, your your, your typical your pretzels, your nachos, and things like that. But you know, it's uh, we're not having a big party that we did last year. Uh, wife kind of went crazy last year. She ordered a photo booth and balloons. I think we had 60 people here. We're going to kind of keep it low key and just have family over this time around, and just actually sit down and watch and, and enjoy the game. Pink, great stuff, buddy. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you down the line. All right, fellas. Have a good weekend. Um, big things coming for the Browns, as, as we hope. And uh, hopefully we, we go into this offseason and, and, and get some of these big free agents and make a run for this thing, fellas. Yes, sir. Ready to, ready for it. Uh, Jason Pinkston there on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Cavs did get another win last night. And I, I, so you just didn't know what was going to happen because – Honestly, that game was a little little scary to me, thinking of Mikel Bridges, thinking of Cam Johnson, thinking of that team. And then the Nets, on the trade deadline yesterday, traded half their team. They had like they had like eight guys available last night, and I went from being like, man, the Nets can be a tough team. They got a couple nice players to being like, oh, not tonight. And then they went out there, and I mean, with, with honestly like a B, B-minus effort by the Cavs, that game is never really in doubt. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. What was that run, 21 nothing or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> like... That was game set match. They're playing some great basketball, um, and they're playing like a team. I, I, I mean, that's the results show it obviously, but it, it, it's hard to go through what they've gone through as a team. You lose two key pieces, have have them come out and then come back in, and you're not you didn't skip a beat of the way you you didn't skip a beat when you lost them, and you're not skipping a beat as you're reintegrating them uh, into the lineup. That that's hard to do. And I, I got to kudos to Kobe Altman. The easy thing would have been, especially with what happened last year in the playoffs, right? Because the regular season went great, but they get to the playoffs, the Knicks mop the floor with them, you know, spend the whole offseason talking about how they need, how can they get more physical uh, so they don't get pushed around in the postseason. And player development outstanding um, with some of these young contributors that they have coming off the bench. But the, it would have been easy for him to make a move for the sake of making a move. And let's be honest about it, Kobe Altman's one of the most aggressive executives in the NBA. He stood pat. And I I really felt like where they are now in their window, Nick, that was the right move. Because you've got a 10-man rotation going right now. You're trying to find minutes for people that deserve minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not finding minutes for guys, well, just for the sake of putting a guy on the floor. Mm -hmm. Like, you're trying to find minutes because a guy like Sam Merrill has earned it. He play, he has played really, really well. So, nice job by Kobe Altman standing pat and saying, you know what? 
My team's on the floor. Let's see what we can do this year. So real quick on this, because I, I do want to get to what Kobe had to say yesterday. And, you know, we had a thought on it yesterday. I just think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting starting point for the Cavs, expectations, second half, all that. Um, I don't know he's going to get it, but Donovan Mitchell better get some MVP run here. He should. That's not the same thing as saying he should win it. And I think, unfortunately, because scoring is up to such a ridiculous point, right. like you've got guys averaging 35 points a game. So I imagine that's going to hurt Donovan. I think it hurt Donovan in the uh, in the All-Star with, with how they kind of elect All-Stars and alternates now. But, like, I, I don't – it's not to me about, well, oh, 28 points or 28 and a half points per game. He has been everything to the Cavs. And it, like – it's one thing to see a guy that plays two guard and that, you know, yeah, he's got the ball in his hand, but he's a combo guard to where he's running the point and has run the point for two months. And it actually looks as good as if Darius was running the point. And so he has just been so impressive. Like, yeah, he scores. He's, he's an incredible score. Um, the defense has been better. I think you also look at it. His passing is incredibly underrated at this point. So like, I don't think I'd like, there's a big part of me. that's just like, well, do, do you score 35 points uh, per night? Uh, okay. If you don't, you're probably not going to get it. Um, this is Donovan's most impressive year. And if, and, and I, I, I shuddered at that when I heard it earlier this week, but the long, the more I thought about it, it's hundred percent right. And it's, it is a shame that in the end, cause he plays in Cleveland because he's not scoring 35 points a game for all the little ticky tack stuff that's going to not get him the MVP award, it's a shame he won't at least be seriously in the conversation because he belongs. I think there's a chance that come the end of the year, he he will be. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he's going to win it. I, I do agree with you there. I do agree with you that the Cleveland thing probably gets used against him. But what it, what impresses me is... This, you know, the narrative that's out there, right, that he can't get out of Cleveland fast enough. He's already looking, you know, for his next stop. He wants to go to New York. What he is not playing like a guy that hates being here. Mm -hmm. I, I, I got bad, I hate to break that to the national media that doesn't cover the team, but he is not playing like a guy that hates being here. Like being in that locker room now and just listening to how they banter back and forth during their interviews and even. When guys aren't just when they're just hanging out, having fun with each other, busting each other's chops. Donovan's in the middle of that stuff, mm -hmm. and that's a good thing. Like he, it, it's a team. Like it reminds me of how the Browns' locker room was, but obviously on a much smaller scale. But he's he's all in. Like he really is. And and, and when you watch him on the floor, and to your point, the way he runs the offense with the ball in his hand. Yeah, there are a couple of moments where it's like, okay, it, it, it's one on five, right? Yeah, it's the same thing we watch with LeBron, right? Uh, who, who else's who else's hand do you want the ball in at that particular moment, right? Yeah. I get it, but what you don't see it, the difference is you don't see guys just standing around. It's not like Donovan up top dribbling yeah. down the shot clock, waiting for the angle to pop open that he's going to attack or you know pull up the three or whatever, and then everyone's just standing around watching him like we used to see with LeBron, like. Guys would just stand there and be like, "All right, LeBron, you—it's it, all you, bro. You got it, yeah. right?" It—it's it, completely different, and and I don't want to say it's refreshing, because I think that diminishes what LeBron did here, but it's different. 
it, it, you know, the action is still there. The floor spacing is still there. Like, I give JB a lot of credit. For all the people who want to run that dude out of town, he's a really good coach. Now, you want to get into X's and O's and playoffs and using timeouts and drawing stuff? I, I get it. Rotations. But the, the guy deserves an opportunity here to, to see this thing through. And if he doesn't get it done this year, then okay, we can have a, maybe have a conversation there. But I, the way he has reacted and changed things up in the middle of the season and it's and have it work on the scale that it's worked and the fact that they're doing this one four thing where all right we're going one one big in the middle and we're going to try and keep the four shooters on the floor on the perimeter and shooting the three pointers with the volume that they're shooting it's it's a fun team to watch nick they're a ton of fun to watch and they genuinely love playing together you can see it watch them on the bench I see it in the locker room. They love playing together, just like this Browns team this past year loved playing together. Well, and while we're having this conversation, there was something that has caught the ear of Cavs fans, Cavs media, and it was yesterday when Kobe was talking about expectations and this this idea of whether they're championship or bust or not. When we did acquire Donovan, we wanted to make sure, to your point of level-setting expectation, that it wasn't championship or bust. Certainly not last year. And it's not this year either. But we do think that we have the talent level to compete with the best. I think we've shown that we had, you know, this year and last year, was able to compete with the best teams in the league. And we're doing that now. We're still young. You know, obviously, playoff experience is something that we need to add to this group and, and go further, you know what I mean, a past first round or rounds of the playoffs. Those are really hard. The NBA is really difficult the parity is difficult but we feel we're right in the mix of some of the best teams in the world right now and we're going to continue to compete for that so I don't think the Cavs are championship or bust but I think whether they are moving forward and this this ties heavily into the Donovan conversation I think all of that depends on what you do this year I think if you get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year then I think next year and beyond you're in that window whatever you consider three year five years whatever and that's where you start, not as, not make a move to make a move because dumb organizations do that, but where you really start to go, okay, what do we truly need to level up and go from the Eastern Conference Championship to to being in the NBA Finals? And I think that's what's that's part of what's at stake this this season. Well, and right now they have their core four, and their core four is pretty good, like you know, and you need to allow that to develop and kind of gel, Mm -hmm. and you have to go through the ups and downs. And and look, regular season, the year before last season, right, they just missed the the, the play-in or whatever, and they they don't get into the playoffs. Uh, Last year, they get in, they get bounced in the first round. This year, my expectation is they win a playoff series. Like I, I think that's a reasonable expectation, and I I, I like I like how Kobe wasn't shy about defining the expectations because everyone's nervous about Donovan Mitchell, right? Is he going to sign an extension? Deal with that in the summer. See, the only thing I would say is because I I don't want to completely disagree with you. I know you're making a bigger point here. The only thing I would say is I don't want to base my expectations for this year off last year. No, I and, and so it was such a disappointment. For, I get for me, it, it's about but showing like, that you're moving forward. Well, yeah, but I don't think that – like, I've always felt like because you did a half step last year right. because you got embarrassed in the playoffs, this year 
you're going to take two steps. And I don't mean that doesn't mean making the Eastern Conference Finals, okay. but making a push for it. Then to me, that means you win that first series and then that second series. It's got to go seven games. Like, it's got to go six games. You've got to be, you've got to show that you belong. You can't get washed out in the yes. second round. And uh, it's that's just, fair. and it's about being con- in every one of these games, being in them and showing you belong so that we can look and go, all right, maybe you need a wing player. All right, maybe you need to turn these three players into one player. And so, because because if you if you just win one playoff series, man, you you go up against a, that next rung of teams, which is still good, but it ain't Boston. And all of a sudden, you get washed out, man. That, I I think that's almost it's not as bad as last year, but it's not too far off from last year. If they can advance to the second round and make it a six game series, okay and they play well in those six games, they're on the right track. Where I would really get worried is if they get washed out in the first round yeah. again or they get washed out in the second round after advancing. And like, I think that's where that, the uncomfortable questions start. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you're seeing with Jared Allen. He he got beat up pretty good uh, by the Knicks, right? Wasn't nearly as effective as he was in the regular season. You're seeing a little different Jared Allen now. By the way... Should be an all-star, not an all-star. Should be an all-star, playing like an all-star. But you're seeing that learning experience that he went through against the Knicks. You're seeing it during this regular season right now. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, this is... Building the championship team from scratch is basically what the Cavaliers are trying to do here. It's hard to do, right? Golden State Warriors did it. They built a dynasty. Um, Cavs are trying to... I'm not trying to say build a dynasty, but you know, there's a process to this. And so the attitude of, hey, we're not championship or bust this year, like I think it's perfectly acceptable for Kobe to express that to fans. Hey guys, Nick Wilson, Daryl Ryder, back on afternoon drive. We continue to get closer and closer to Super Bowl 58, and we continue to hit up Radio Row in Las Vegas. And this time, we've got uh, two lovely gentlemen, one a former uh, NFL player with uh, Oakland, with Jacksonville, with Buffalo, and another uh, member of the Lowe's Home Improvement Team. So we head out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Welcome on uh, former NFL player, college football analyst Kirk Morrison, and John Sayer, district manager for Lowe's Home Improvement. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank What's you. going on? How are we doing today? I mean, we'll be we'll be doing better here when it gets to be <laughs> Sunday and we get to see what happens here. I guess right. because the you know this is the first uh, Super Bowl in Vegas, Kirk. I know you're out there. I got to ask you, man how 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 are the digs in uh, Vegas, man? You know what? It looks great, honestly. Uh, I I knew this would be a great destination for a Super Bowl. Look, a couple years ago they had the NFL draft here. And I thought the NFL really knocked it out of the park. They were able to have so many fans come. It wasn't just about the hometown team, which is the Raiders. Truly, every NFL fan felt like every fan base was represented at that draft. And I said, when they have the Super Bowl, it'll be the same thing. And I'll tell you this, they've been above and beyond so far. And just, we're not even to Sunday yet. I mean, we're just here Friday and people are still piling in. The airport's been packed. The hotels have been packed. Um, And just from the NFL experience that I've uh, been down to just a couple times, a lot of people are excited about this Super Bowl. Yeah, we've got a Super Bowl rematch on Sunday. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? Who has the advantage? Well, I should be asking you that question. 
because the 49ers didn't lose a lot, but one of the games they did lose to was the Cleveland Browns. So you do have that on your resume. I should you ask remember. you, what did the Browns do? Yeah, what did the Browns do to beat the 49ers? But you know what? I honestly believe that the better team is the team uh, from San Francisco. I think that they're destined to win a Super Bowl. And look, you got to love the uh, the story of Brock Purdy, mystery relevant, the last person drafted in the 2022 NFL draft. So I, I got to believe that the uh, 49ers are the better team. I know I'm saying that with Patrick Mahomes on the other side, but I think I'm, I'm just going to lean on the, the 49ers and win this football game. I got to make sure here because you're a former Raiders player. I just got to make sure this is not – you're just sick of the Chiefs being really good, right? It's not some old <laughs> NF- AFC West wounds, is it? Hey, you said it, not me. Trust me. <laughs> you already know, man. My allegiances. I uh, look. I'm still a kid, born and raised in the Bay Area. Didn't grow up a Niner fan, but they do represent the uh, area I, you know, was born and raised in. I just don't want to see another Chiefs Super Bowl. Morrison <laughs> joins us, Kirk. So. Uh, do the Chiefs have to win to be considered a dynasty now? Do they have to win that uh, third Super Bowl here in the last what four, uh, you know, five, six years to be a uh, the next dynasty of the NFL? No, I think they already are a dynasty. Um, if they win this Super Bowl, it only adds to the dynasty because this will be the first one that they had to uh, win their conference championship on the road. I got a chance to talk to their owner Clark Hunt the other day. And this was different. This was the first time that they held the trophy, the AFC trophy, which is named after his dad, Lamar Hunt. They hoisted that trophy in Baltimore on the road. So winning this Super Bowl will be a little bit different because they had to go on the road and win two games in order to get here. So that dynasty is only going to continue to grow. Patrick Mahomes is not slowing down. That will be four trips to the Super Bowl in six years, six consecutive conference championship games. This is an unbelievable run that they've been on. And um, can that all end on Sunday? Will it come crumbling down with what the 49ers can be able to do as they try to their quest for championship number six in their franchise's history? Kirk Morrison and John Sayer on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline live from Radio Row in Vegas. And, you know, just on that, on that Mahomes thing, you know, I, it's funny to hear the, the kind of arc and, you know, we out of Kansas City, I remember back that first year he went to start, people were like, he's better than Alex Smith. And I remember the pushback. Yeah, I remember. You know, I remember <laughs> hearing from people saying three games in, I knew he could be the, the greatest of all time. What was the moment right. that you watched Pat Mahomes? How early into his career, how late into his career, when you said, hot damn, there, there ain't no beating this? Wow. I think, wow, it's – that's a good one. I would probably say a couple years ago when they beat in that divisional round when the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills um, and there was 13 seconds left. They drove down the length of the field, kicked the field goal. They went in overtime with Harrison Butker, and then the NFL did what? They changed overtime rules. That's how I said, like, oh, they, they had to change the rules because of Patrick Mahomes. I'll always remember that, and that's why I think that this success that he's having is going to be sustained. Think about this. If the Chiefs win on Sunday and Patrick Mahomes says, you know what, I'm going to retire tomorrow, he goes away to three-time Super Bowl champion, possibly a three-time Super Bowl MVP, a two-time regular season MVP, multiple Pro Bowls, multiple All-Pros. He's a Hall of Famer first ballot, and he's only been a starter in the league six seasons. It's unreal. (laughs) 
So who gets you talk about Patrick Mahomes and giving him a lot of the love for the success of the Chiefs uh, in, in recent right. years? Who gets the credit for San Francisco? Is it Kyle Shanahan? Is it Brock Purdy? Yeah, you know what? I, I think you have to go with Kyle Shanahan, and you got to go with John Lynch, their general manager. Uh, as quiet has been kept, they've played the last three conference championship games in, in their conference. Uh, they went to a Super Bowl. So in the John Lynch era so far, there's been seven seasons with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. They've played in four conference championships, and now they're in their second Super Bowl. And, oh, by the way, they whiffed on a quarterback in Trey Lance that they traded up to get, and yet that's not even being talked about this week. It's been talked about how they hit on a quarterback in the last pick of the draft. So that goes to an organization. That goes to a coach and a general manager and an owner who are willing to stay, stand up and do some things that guys just don't normally do. I can talk to my buddy John next to me and say the same thing. Guys don't say, hey, I was wrong. We always want to be right. But the 49ers said, you know what? We got this one wrong. And by them apologizing and telling the truth has put them in this situation of being in a Super Bowl with a quarterback that not many people thought would even be on a roster at this time. Kirk, I always love asking uh, guys that played at the highest level like you did in in the NFL. You had some great years in uh, Oakland with the Raiders. You had time in Jacksonville. You had time in Buffalo. Obviously, we watch Mahomes and go, hot damn. Like, oh, my God, look at that. But what were moments where – is there a moment you can remember from being on the field with another player? It doesn't even have to be a quarterback where you said – that guy's just a little different than I am. That guy is gifted in a way that, quite frankly, is unfair. Yeah, I would say having you know my final years in the NFL, uh, playing in that AFC East and competing against Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, no matter what, when you played Tom Brady, you knew you, you weren't going to trick him. You know, you had to just play a sound game, and you hopefully he would make a couple mistakes. And I know the game in particular, I always remember where. We were winning, I believe it was 21 to, uh, to zero. We're driving to go in and score a touchdown and make it 28 to zero. We fumble inside the five. Patriots recover it. They go down and score a touchdown. Now it's 21 to seven. We end up losing that game 56 to 28. So it just goes to show you that sometimes all you need to do, if you leave the window cracked, Tom Brady was going to find a way to win football games. And I think we're kind of seeing that with Patrick Mahomes, that you got to shut that window all the way. Don't give them any bit of air. Last night was the NFL honors, and the Browns cleaned up, swept all four uh, nominations. Kevin Stefanski, Coach of the Year. Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year. Joe Flacco wins the Comeback Player of the Year. And and then, of course, Jim Schwartz, the Assistant of the Year. The two, I guess the, the two controversial picks, if you will, that everyone seems to be talking about today is Stefanski beating out D'Amico Ryans of the Houston Texans for Coach of the Year, and then Joe Flacco edging out DeMar Hamlin for the Comeback Player of the Year. Where do you come out on that? Did the voters get it right, or do you think it should have gone the other way? I think the voters got it right for sure with Joe Flacco. DeMar Hamlin wasn't even active for many of the games. And if we're going to talk about a comeback player, we're talking about a guy who played a majority of the snaps and came back and played. Joe Flacco was on his couch, and he resurrected a team that some people thought there's no way they make it to the playoffs. They're on their fourth quarterback, and they found a way to win and be in the playoffs. When it comes to head coach, I think that it's – I would have loved to see Cole 
head coaches of the year because I thought they both did a tremendous job. I think the story of Houston and what they did in one season, yes, it was highlighted. D'Amico Ryans deserved the honor. But who's to say that Kevin Stefanski didn't deserve the honor? You tell me another head coach that can go through four quarterbacks. Your franchise quarterback goes down. Then a guy who you drafted as a rookie, he goes down. And yet another guy who goes and starts, he goes down. And you have to go get a quarterback who is at home, literally on his couch, and you make it to the playoffs. That, to me, is about coaching. So both guys were awarded. I mean, should have been definitely uh, very deserving of the award. I don't have a problem with Stefanski winning it. Kirk, I'm just so curious about because I know what my perception of the Browns are and Daryl's perception is because we follow this team every single day. But like for you, you know, you played in this league and when you were playing, the Browns were a laughingstock. The Browns were every year bottom 10 team in the NFL. These last four years, they've been to the playoffs twice. They beat Pittsburgh for their one playoff win. They've had two 11 win seasons. I'm curious if the Browns done enough so where the, and again, this is your perspective, not ours, obviously, but right. where they're no longer viewed as one of the bottom ten organizations in the NFL. No, not at all. They're, I think, one of uh, the better franchises in the NFL. You know, I just talked about those quarterbacks they had. Let's forget they lost their best offensive weapon in Nick Chubb earlier in the year with a knee injury. So to be able to navigate that, also you lost offensive linemen along the way. This goes to show you what a good franchise is because now they have that depth. Before the Browns have those types of injuries, what are they doing? Picking at the top of the draft. That's not the case anymore. They've been able to build that. Andrew Berry, outstanding general manager. I think he deserves a lot more love. And for your franchise quarterback, I think the only negative is that we just want to see more return on the investment for Deshaun Watson. That's all. If you're going to pay that kind of money, we need to see more. And we have not seen, but a true organization, very similar to what I'm seeing from San Francisco, you're still seeing them have production from other players because the roster is that much better. And this was one of the better defenses led by Jim Schwartz this year. So that's been the notion. Everybody knows that Cleveland is always going to be a tough out now. This isn't, this isn't the old Browns. Kirk, I know we've asked you a lot about the NFL with the Super Bowl coming up here. We're obviously very Brown-centric, but as you are a college football analyst, there's so much talk about NIL, the portal, you know, I I, yeah. I do feel like anytime something happens with the portal or NIL, we get people yeah. saying, "Oh, it's it's a death spiral for college football." <laughs> despite there still being a buttload of money in college football, I'm just curious about yeah. your your thoughts on the state of college football and whether the panic is overblown or where you think it's justified. Um, yeah, it, it's justified. I mean, you guys are right there in Ohio, near Buckeye country. And every Buckeye I see, colleagues of mine, I'm still trying to figure out where this $13.1 million came from in that NIL because everybody's signing with the Buckeyes. So I don't know where where all the money came from, but Ohio State definitely is not talking about NIL, what it hasn't done. They've put together a nice roster, but this has to come from um, the NCAA. Someone has to find jurisdiction to put this in – because right now it's just an arms race. It's the wild, wild west. I have a lot of friends who are in coaching. We're seeing a lot of college coaches now go to the National Football League because they don't want to be a part of it. So to me, they have to figure out a way to you know, find some sort of agreement, kind of come together. Um, and that should be something uh, of an initiative, uh, very similar to what I'm doing out here with the Super Bowl. Uh, the initiative with Lowe's and rebuilding together, what they've been able to do is find common ground, common place to help out a community. 
college football needs to help their community out. We're helping out the community here in Las Vegas um, as one of their signature events of helping out uh, families and people in their homes who need repairs, refurbishing, local community centers getting their uh, opportunities to have repairs done as well. And John Sayer, who I'm here with now, who's the uh, one of the regional managers of Lowe's, uh, we've been doing a great job in talking about it and bringing more awareness to, to this project. I'll let John speak for it, but that's where I think college football needs to go. Yes. We're out here today with Rebuilding Together at the kickoff to rebuild. We're revitalizing six homes out here in Las Vegas. And we're doing such things as remodeling bathrooms, installing doors, installing windows. We're painting, addressing landscaping needs. We're even going to put a roof on one of the homes out here today as well. It is great to hear that. And by the way, smooth as hell from both of you right there. I would just, before before we let you go, before we have any kind of recap here to what you guys were just saying, Super Bowl predictions. Kirk, you first, then John. Um, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it either way. I'm, like, I'm born and raised in the Bay Area. I grew up hating the Niners. Obviously, I grew up hating the Chiefs as a Raider fan and a former Raider myself. So I can't go with the Chiefs. I just, it's just not, not in me to do that. But it pains me to say it. I'm going to pick the 49ers uh, to win the Super Bowl. They'll win their sixth Super Bowl uh, this week. And that would be crazy to say that they are now tied with the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers with the most championships in uh, the Super Bowl era. What about you, John? You know what? Uh, we got two guys on our lowest home team from both teams. Yeah. We have Christian McCaffrey on the 49ers and Travis Kelsey over here on the Chiefs. But I have to say, I think uh, the Niners are going to take this one. John, real quick, buddy, one more time. Can you give people uh, somewhere, send them where they can kind of find out more about the Rebuild Together project? You know what? If they go to rebuildingtogether.org, they'll have all the information that they need right there, rebuildingtogether.org. Gentlemen, you've been so gracious with your time. Appreciate both of you, not just for your time, but what you guys are doing. Uh, Thank you so much here, and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, Radio Row and the Super Bowl. I've always wanted to do this, fellas, before Thank you go. You. Cleveland, this is for you. <laughs> Excellent stuff, Thanks, guys. Fellas. Kirk Morrison and John says a pretty damn good. Cleveland, this is for you. I, I don't know if it's better than LeBron's, but it's still pretty damn good. For a, for a guy from the Bay Area? I don't know if it was good as good as Miles Garrett last night as well. That, that was pretty good for, by Miles. Miles will take the cake on that one because also uh, he's closer and he could kick my ass more. All right, guys, great stuff with those. We're going to react to what they had to say about the Super Bowl, the Browns, and more next on 92.3 The Fan. I did say hot damn twice in that interview. That's a good pull by Keith. I deserve. I don't know where hot damn came from. I don't know why I would say that. I don't say hot damn in my normal life. Who do you think you are? Like, oh, my God, look at that. That sounded lustful. Can you play it again? Hot damn. Like, oh, my God, look at that. That's... That's what I sound like that's, when I open up the Master Pizza box that's, later that's, tonight. That's like, I looking. got the Mad Meatball, guys. I'm going to open up. I'm gonna, that Mad Meatball is going to hit me in the face and hot damn. Like, oh, my God, look at that. There's a lust in that man's voice and right there. That's me the first time I saw Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> hot damn. There ain't no beating this. Well, also say that afterwards. <laughs> I, I was going to say, that's not entirely accurate if you're looking at Jessica Rabbit. Hot so what you, like, oh my God, look at that. So what do you, you think you are, Bruno Mars? So what do you think about that uh, that comment there from Kirk Morrison? <laughs> Daryl, give us your thoughts. Hot damn. Ain't no beating this? <laughs> Ain't no beating this. Um, so, okay, I still, so what I'll say is, I think the Browns are halfway to where they want to be. 
I think the Browns are kind of now, it, perceptionally, I think they're right around anywhere from the 11th best organization to the 20th best organization. So that's, and by the way, that's not an insult. Right. Four years or five years ago, you were in the pits. You were in the pit of despair with uh, with the albino Mel Phillips. I think it's Mel Phillips was the name of the actor who played. Mel Smith, sorry. Different guy. Uh, Princess Bride reference. However, five years ago, you're in the pit of despair. Now you're kind of in that middle part of the NFL. And now is the toughest jump which is can you make the jump from the 18th best organization to the ninth best? If you do, man, let me tell you, that it would be so cool to see the Browns in there. But what that means is winning almost every year. When I say winning, I'm talking about getting to the playoffs in contention for the playoffs every year. And and obviously it, it, a Super Bowl run, multiple Super Bowl runs, like that's what the next jump looks like. At nine of the next 10 years, you're in the playoffs, and at least one of those times, you're in the Super Bowl, and at least two or three more times, you're going deep into the playoffs. That's what becoming a top 10 franchise looks like in 2024. And that's, as you said, that's the hardest part now. They're, uh, they've got the talent to be a perennial playoff team, but the challenge is being as healthy as possible going into January so that that talent is available to carry you potentially into February. Mm-hmm. But um, it it just it felt like it took a quantum leap to get them from the 4-44 and franchise to now Kevin Stefanski is the two-time coach of the year. He's the winningest coach since Marty Schottenheimer, right? Uh, he's mentioned now with Paul Brown, only two co- Browns coaches in history to win 11 games in multiple seasons as a Browns coach like that. It feels like it was a quantum leap to go from there to here. Right. Mm -hmm. And it also feels like it's going to be another quantum leap. And again, this isn't an insult. It's just the reality. Yeah. It feels like it's now going to be another quantum leap to go from, as you said, a playoff team to a serious Super Bowl contender. Well, and to stay there. Right. But at this point, I'm not even, I'll be honest with you, Nick, it's not even about staying there for it's just getting there. Like mm-hmm. because the Browns have never been there. So getting there. We'll worry about staying there after you get there. Well, but- so but my point was like Arizona. Arizona, 40, 50, 60, 70 year laughing stock in the NFL. They had that first run with Kurt Warner right. and Ken Wisenhunt. And that was like a we changed the perception. And then it kind of fell apart. But then you had Arians and you're back in uh, an NFC title game. You're back in that second yeah. round of the playoffs, but since they let go of Arians, it's they're they're, 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 they're back, back the to where of, they were, the right. pit of despair. Where you've got a franchise quarterback, you paid 230 million, and you can't sniff the playoffs. So I think that's just really interesting. Like that shows how fickle. Like that was as good of a ten year run as Arizona's ever had in their career. Yeah. That's that's the danger of Detroit. Like okay, cool man, you got to an NFC title game. Well, and now and what do you do going forward? But that's why you saw Dan Campbell. It, you know, say to his team, this might have been our shot. Mm-hmm. This this may have been it for us. That kind of tells me it's not going to be because that's that's an on-the-table move. No, I, I, I understand that, but that is a big part of this. Like, what the Patriots have done, what the Chiefs are currently doing, like, it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Like, we take it for granted. And I know, you know, you get bored with seeing the same team every year, right? It, everyone was waiting for the Patriots to fall apart. 
just like we're waiting for the Steelers to to really fall apart and go into the pit of despair, right? They're they're stuck in between. They're a perennial playoff team, but they can't get anywhere after mm-hmm. that. And that's why Steeler fan, the Yinzers are so up in arms Hate and frust- it. it it yeah, it's tragic. But that's where they're at. They're they're stuck, so to speak, because they don't have a franchise quarterback that but, can, can, but can, can carry them over the hump. What gives them the advantage is the the success they've already had, right? And where perceptionally, what holds you back is what ha- what's happened the twenty years before the last, and four and years. that's the standard with what the the fans operate with, right? They feel entitled, similar to the conversation or T.J. Watt felt entitled to win Defensive Player of the Year, so he. Had a little tantrum on social media because he was upset that he didn't get something he was entitled to. Well, the Yinzers feel entitled every year that they're a Super Bowl contender. That's just not real. Even the Patriots under Bill Belichick, they went through a little law with Tom Brady and that, and where they weren't Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, they won the division every year, but they couldn't get back over the hump. And then what happened? They got back over the hump and they stayed there for a little bit. They they had two different peaks over that twenty four. Your stretch. That's hard to do. Same thing with the Chiefs. Chiefs going to fall off at some point here. I don't know when, but at some point they're going to fall. I thought it was going to be this year. I didn't think they'd be back in the Super Bowl this year. It, not and when people I'm, said the same thing last year. No, but not not when I'm watching their games and I'm seeing dudes throwing helmets on the sidelines. I'm seeing guys fighting with each other, yelling and screaming, right? I'm like, all right, everything's not well in Kansas City. This is the year that uh, someone's going someone's gonna to get them. And no one got them. They're back and... I like their chances Sunday. I don't know if they're going to do it because I am <laughs> I leaning toward the bay, but Chiefs got a real shot, man, to get that third ring and be a dynasty. Talking about the opportunity for the Chiefs this weekend to uh, become a dynasty in some people's eyes, although he says they already are a dynasty. And I think what's so fascinating about this game is somehow the 49ers, who have five titles in their history have become the little engine that could. And this is good because, again, like most NFL fans have a pretty short-term memory, and they don't remember the 80s and 90s where they were the, they were one of two it teams um, with Dallas that were just in your face at all times. And so now people are, see them as a team with a closing window or a – I don't want to say closing window. They had some guy named Joe Montana. Yeah, and and, well, another guy named Steve Young. He was pretty good, too. But, like, so I think it's interesting that this is, you know, the dynasty window of contention versus just the championship window of contention when you start to look at the narratives that that are kind of surrounding Super Bowl 58. Well, and remember the Chiefs turned to Joe Montana to try and get them to the level that Patrick Mahomes has. Oh, I do remember. And I, I... Okay, I was like nine. I I remember thinking it was happening. I thought it was that simple. Right. I didn't realize Joe had lost a little a little off the fastball, but he's actually his run in KC was not bad. No, it wasn't. It just was like two years. But they, you know, that was the the, the motivation behind it. Like they were hoping that he would be would do for them what Patrick Mahomes yeah. has for them. Look, it, it's hard to get to six straight conference title games. Like it really is. Um, but reminiscent of. The Patriots, right? Um, Do you look at this real quick? Because I think you said something there that I, I I made a couple points on this, both here and on CBS Sports Radio. Do you look at 
what the what the Chiefs have done as the same thing as what the Patriots did either of their two runs. I, I do. But I will look at it more so if they're able to finish it off on Sunday and win that third Super Bowl. Can I in, tell you what I this, see different? Okay. What I think is so interesting about it is? No, you can't, but I know you will. Well, I will because uh, – It's your you show. Know, it's afternoon drive, baby, with Nick Wilson here. Um, but what I think is interesting about it is – we just don't see these kind of dynasties very, very rarely in the last 40 years in small markets. You know, like the Patriots, and I get the Patriots were not the Patriots. Like the Patriots had a Super Bowl in 85 against the Bears, uh, but but they were not, they were kind of like where the Browns are now. They were like kind of a middle. They, they, they some, were one-hit wonder, too. Yeah, well, and they were a team that was somewhere between 10 and 20. You know, they weren't, they were never a top 10 team. Even with Bledsoe, because then they had the second one with Parcells right. yep. in 96. Like, even with Bledsoe, like, Bledsoe gave them some good run there. They also had a bunch of eight and eight years. So, like, I do understand, like, the the Tom Brady stuff changed the perception of, of but that's Boston. And, and the awkward transition from yeah. Bledsoe to Brady. But, like, San Francisco. Eh, San Francisco is a big-ass market. That's That was one of the other dynasties. Washington with Joe Gibbs. That's another dynasty. Dallas. Another top 10 market, top five market. So, like, you start to look at the the outside of really the Steelers, the Packers, and now the Chiefs, like, this is the anomaly. And I think that's why it's tougher for me to hate, hate the Chiefs because I know the 50 years in between their, their, those, that, that first championship and that second championship. It's, it's like the Bucks. Like, well, I, I can't hate Giannis. The guy delivered right. a small market championship. The, the second in the history of the franchise. Like, do I like getting my ass kicked by that guy when the Bucks are great? No. But do I look at it and go, well, damn, he stayed there. He did the he did the impossible thing. I know the I know the the financials are different. I know some of the player movement stuff is different in the NFL, but like I it's tougher for me to hate the Chiefs because it's like, well, well, man, I that gives me hope that that can be the Browns. Yep. That should give Buffalo hope that that could be Buffalo. And, and that was the point I was about to make, that the, the Chiefs are doing what everyone here in Cleveland hopes the Browns are about to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and we talked about earlier how hard it is to just go from a, a perennial playoff contender to Super Bowl contender. Like, on paper, you feel like the Browns have enough to be a Super Bowl contender, right? But now you, you, you come back and, you know, well, can Deshaun Watson be – what he was four years ago Mm -hmm. because it's been four years since he was that guy. A lot has happened in those four years. Patrick Mahomes has taken over the league, what being one of them. Um, So it's – when I look at the Chiefs, I don't don't hate on them. Like Andy Reid, one of the all-time greats. Like I'm I'm thrilled to see him. Not hateable. Yeah, like – Mahomes, the, not really hateable. The the commercials are hilarious. Yeah. Let me get those nuggies. And, and yeah, you know, and how unique is that? When when have you ever seen commercial? And I I've tried to think of like I don't remember seeing a a manager or coach teaming up with his superstar player on ad camp national mm-hmm. advertising campaigns. Like it it's unheard of. You just don't see that. And to see that in Kansas City, it's kind of cool. The Travis Kelsey being from Cleveland Heights, right? It, it's awesome to see him. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame. is is one of the greatest ever to, to 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 play the game and to see him get an opportunity to win another championship, right? And you wish he was doing it as a member of the Cleveland Browns, right, the hometown team. But I enjoy the 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 greatness that the Chiefs are currently experiencing, and I'm kind of I'll be out. I'm 
I'm kind of rooting for him to win Sunday, but I'm also rooting for Brock Purdy because that in and of itself is a great story. Mr. Ir- from Mr. Irrelevant to, to lifting the Vince Lombardi trophy. So like, what's, what's interesting about what you just said is I've heard, you know, Kirk said this. I think uh, John said this. Uh, John Sayer, who works for uh, Lowe's, said this, and they both predicted um, the 49ers. And I think pe- the people predicting the 49ers, I think it's all because they're just rooting against the Chiefs. Yeah. I don't think I don't think anybody rooting. Uh, I don't think anybody actually believes the 49ers are in the same league as the Chiefs. Right. Unless this, unless the game Sunday, Nick, is a complete stinker, right, and it is a blowout. Mm-hmm. I honestly can sit here and say I won't be disappointed in the result because I, there I are think, there are great stories on both sides. I think there are, but I think I think that's what it's likely to be. I think the Chiefs receivers are the only thing that can stop this from being a blowout. And I I, I know we're, we all want to fight. If, if it ends up being down to the last second, I'll love it. I will. But, like, the Chiefs are not just the better team. They're the Every point that I care about on how you win as a team, the Chiefs are better. Their defense is better. They have the better offensive line. They've got the better quarterback. And yeah. I, think if, I think it's fair to say they've got the better head coach. And it's like, oh, the path to get there? Well, this is the defending champions. And they went through the six seed, the two seed, and the one seed. And the last two games on the road to get to Las Vegas. Right. And San Francisco had the perfect path. They were the one seed, so they got the first round by. The second round was the, the Packers. And the Packers played them really, really close and had a chance to win that game, if not for one of the most unconscionable interceptions in NFL playoff history with Jordan Love at the end of that game. Right. And then they played Detroit and Detroit's a three seed in the NFC. That's a five seed or a six seed in the AFC. And you had to come back and listen, I don't want to take that away from San Francisco, but you're one of those seven plays that went right for you in that second half. They twice were close to being pushed off the cliff and and having their season end. And they found a way to, be resilient, so get like, it together in the second half, and, and and pull out those wins. So what am I missing? What am I missing with San Francisco? And they have a they, and listen. Nick Bosa is great. Uh, Javon uh, Hargrave is great. Uh, Chris McCaffrey, uh, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams. Like I can give you yeah, every name. Well, the, the, San Francisco's defense is good enough to make Kansas City's receivers look really ridiculous. Well, but I think the the concern is the one place where San Francisco. And where their defense has a real weakness is in the pass game. Yeah. So I got the but, best quarterback of but, this generation the against a bad secondary. But the weakness of Kansas City's offense this year has been what? Their receivers. Well, that's why I said, like, I really feel like I mean, this is a this is a Rasheed Rice four drop game. That's could, the only this, thing that stands in the way between this could, tur- this could turn into quite the Donnybrook for us on Sunday. Which is which is going to be worse? Um. I actually listen. I think when it comes to, because I think we we just we kind of go well. You're a dynasty. I think there are people who say like you that well. You're a dynasty if you win, but I think we're missing what can be the most intriguing part of this, which is if they go out there and they put boots to asses on San Francisco, and with Nick Bosa with all those names I just mentioned, right? And you get that second title in a row. I think it's under underrepresented how hard it is to win back-to-back titles in the NFL and how infrequently it's done. 
It also, one, it's a commanding win, so that's good, on what people thought was your worst team a year after what people thought was your worst team, and it also sets you up for a third in a row. And if you get that third in a row, and that means four for Mahomes. Does that then qualify them for a dynasty? Uh, I already think they're a dynasty, but we can get to that in a second. They, they got to get the third to get there. I, but why? Who? De- I just want to know who decided three. Like what? I, w- I want to know in NFL history. We gotta get Belichick on the horn on this because he knows. <laughs> we I, if there's a historian out there who decided three was a dynasty. I, I just because my only problem with it, as somebody who's thought about it a lot, is at what point did somebody go three, not one, not two, three is a dynasty. I'm doing the owl from uh, from the blow pop thing or from the from the. One, two? No, okay, this is not getting any better. The point is, I just need to know who decided. Did Paul Brown decide it? Did Vince Lombardi decide it? Did Jesus decide it? Like, I want it. Is it in the Bible? Is it in the Bible? Like, what are we doing here? Like, I got to know who decided three bef- because, listen. Well, I I am sitting here right now, and I have decided it's three. Well, but that doesn't work for me. No offense. You're very well respected. Your piece on 923thefan.com, breaking down the next stadium for the Cleveland Browns. Awesome stuff. People go read it at 6.59 tonight. But listen, I'm telling you, I need to know. Was it Bugs Bunny? Did Disney? Did Walt Disney decide it? Michael Jordan. Because here's the thing, guys. Could be a dictator from history. It could be Mussolini. We, I don't. I'm just saying, like, not wh- whomever decided it. I need to know who decided three titles, and then I'll give in if I if I think that person. You want to know who decided? Who? We, the media. No, no, that's yes. no, no. That's the that's the laziest thing in the world. Ah, the, it's the it, media it, decided it. it. No, it's that the means truth. Nothing. Because we're when? the ones to talk about. Like, if, we're the ones that use the word. We're the ones that. Put it out there for fans. Well, I mean, we, we didn't invent the word. Well, I'm not saying we invented it. I'm just saying we're the ones that use it, though. We're the ones that talk about it. But why it. is it across every sport? Shouldn't it be different for different sports? No. Now we're getting back into the dynasty conversation. No. This is getting very problematic. No. The, the, were the Cavaliers a dynasty the four years? that No, they, they won one title. That's right. different. thank you. If they had won two out of four. But guess what? They were a dynasty in the Eastern Conference, though. No, I don't think they are. They, they won four straight conference well, but, titles. But nobody goes, oh, look out for this Eastern Conference the dynasty. The Buffalo Bills were a 90s dynasty of the AFC. How many conditions are you going to put on that one? Right, well, on Tuesdays in February, this one was a dynasty. What, what are we talking about here? I'm, I'm be, I'm, you're clearly missing my facetiousness here. <laughs> but I am. I'm just, a, a, just You're just ignoring it. it. You're right. Because and, and, I'm a D. <laughs> because I'm the one. No, we're the ones that... The, Hate to say it, but us in the media, we're, right. we're the ones that talk about dying. We use the D word, and I'm telling you, for the Chiefs to become a dynasty, they have to win Sunday Two and to six. get that third. Well, listen, uh, we don't have Papa Kelsey calling in. If Donna Kelsey wants to call in, maybe I'll consider changing my opinion. But I listen, so I do think, I think three is the easy out. Let me put it that way. Like, once you get to three, it's unquestioned. So if the, if the Chiefs win on Sunday, it's going to kill one of Keith and my favorite evergreen argument that, I, honestly, I think Keith and I had this argument and disagreement on this specific idea of, it, is three just the end-all be-all? I think we had this before I left for Charlotte. So this has been, and it was about a different team. Yes, it was about the Patriots before on the second run. I think it actually stemmed from the, 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 uh, the Super Bowl they lost. But they get credit. The Patriots is a little different because they they get credit for the three the three titles. They really don't. Those are completely different teams. It's only Belichick and Brady are the only through line there. 
So they're two separate so, dynasties. Yeah. So Belichick and Brady are now respo- are responsible for two dynasties. I think so. Book. I think well, that's like I think the Bulls dynasties, the 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 uh, six straight. Those are two different teams. Like look at the guys who are on the first yeah. three teams and the, uh, the first three teams and the last three teams. Completely different construction. Yeah, because Mike uh, took two uh, two years off and the Rockets were able to win their championships. Yeah, thank God he did that. Hakeem deserved his championships. I think the thing to me that sets it apart with three championships is because if you win three, typically it's it's spread apart. Like, you're not going to win back to back to back. So, typically if you win three championships, it's probably taking you five or six years. That means it's prolonged success. And I'm not saying that you couldn't have had success. If you consider success even getting to the AFC championship, which you've said before that you give them credit for even going to the championship game and losing. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I think if they win the championship and lose the Super Bowl, yeah, I give them a bit of credit for that, but you still have to win championships. You can't just get named the dynasty without winning championships. So I say three in a prolonged period of five, six years, because typically that's as long as it would take. So and I, it, but it I means think you're within... spread out. You've been good for that amount of, a time. So, but I think we're, I, I just think there should be rooms to tweak it. Like three Super Bowls, six AFC uh, championship games in six years. Or sorry, four Super Bowls, two Super but, Bowl wins, and, and, and a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, I just think that's insanely impressive. You but think again, that's a dynasty, though? If they win yes. two, oh, if they if they make four Super Bowl, win half of them, win half of them, that's a dynasty. And you went, and here's the other part: you were in six straight AFC titles. Yeah, but again, you're giving them credit for even the ones they lost there. Yeah, I yeah. I, do people realize how how it tough is it hard. is to be it the is second? Hard, but it's hard. I think it left. should be the most difficult thing is becoming a dynasty. I I mean, but I think we should have le- levels to it. Like honestly, to this point, if you said, would I compare? this dynasty to what San Francisco did with Montana. No, it looks a little different. They had, I want to say Joe made 10 or 11 AFC title games and won four Super Bowls. All right, that's different. So like even within, I guess maybe the thing that I find, I find dynasty incredibly um, chafing. I I think just using that word like, well, you've won three, so now you're a dynasty. Like I, I think there's a huge difference between once you get to four titles in 10 years versus three titles in 10 years or two titles in, well, in yeah, four we're not Super Bowls. It out. I mean, it is condensed. It's, it's the, the stipulation is like three in six years. Well, but like even that, then all of a sudden we're going to lop off three a championship five, for San Francisco. Three and four. What yeah. about, what about uh, Washington? Washington won three Super Bowls in, I think 10 years with three different quarterbacks. Is that not a dynasty because it's 10 years instead well, of six you years? Just, you just got telling me it's diff- different teams. So if they did a three, those are different teams, Nick. That don't count. And by the way, I think it's headed towards that. Like, like even if they lost this year, I think it's still headed towards them becoming a dynasty because mm-hmm. I think the chances are they're going to win a championship even if they don't win this year, probably in the next couple of years again. But I just think that it's we're kind of jumping the gun here. I know we, we're all eager for it to happen. When we know it's probably going to happen, we're eager for it to happen. We're just going to go ahead and, and hand it to them now. Like, I, I think you got to wait. For it to reach that point. Well, no, but I, so I do like this is kind of it's not I don't say a pet peeve, but one thing there's like a paralysis by a lack of analysis where people are like, well, no, you got to see, you got to let it play out. It's like it doesn't change what they've done the last six years, and and I think that's my point. Is like uh, from here on out, like I already think they're a dynasty, and everything they do starting on Sunday moving forward. Yeah is going to supercharge that dynasty. Yeah, but the only reason you're giving them credit, you say the last six years, your only reason you're giving them credit for the two before they won the championship the first time is because they won those championships. Like, those wouldn't have mattered if they hadn't won those championships. Well, you but wouldn't it be doesn't matter because they, they do. 
Like they or they did win the Super Bowl. Sorry. No, I, I know. I'm, English I'm just was saying, my like, language. I'm saying the last six years, really, it's been the last three years because that's when they won their first championship. Well, well, no, because I think we are. You can look at it cumulative. Like um, the Chiefs or the Bills would have been a really if if the Bills had went to um, three straight Super Bowls and lost and then won the final one. I would not call that a dynasty. No. But making four straight Super Bowls is almost impossible. And Even losing if you're four winning. straight Super Bowls is almost well, okay, impossible. But in this yeah, scenario, by the way, there was, won some, there was 25% pe- of them. There were people saying that the Bills people. should be considered a dynasty even though they didn't win one. That's and, ridiculous. And I also disagree <clears> with that. That is ridiculous. I, I, by the way, I, I mostly disagree with it. Well, I mean, like, I, I, If somebody else calls it, I won't if like, you've ne- shoot them If down. you've never been a champion, how can you be a dynasty, the best ever? Well, like, did you, you guys watch the MLB special, right? The, the dynasty that never was about the 1990s Cleveland Indians. Like, they're, they were throwing that out there that – I mean – I just think it's ridiculous to say, "Hey, we're the best ever second place team." Right. Um. I. I. I think when you, I think it's the way that you kind of put it. Like, like the whole point of a dynasty. Here's the definition: a succession of people from the same family who play a prominent role in business, politics, or another field. So, like playing a prominent role. That it's not saying elite. It's saying playing a prominent role. So, like, I do think there's some way. I. I guess my point is. Yeah, this but di- idea- dynasty in a political theater versus sports are two different things. Well, well, but the idea that there's just a mythical line in the sand, and here, here you're like not the, a dynasty, the, the, here the, you the, are. The, the Royals in England, that's a dynasty, right? Uh, the Royals the, the, in Kansas City, the, not a dynasty. Right. The, <laughs> the, the, the Bushes in this country can be considered a, a dynasty from a, a political perspective, right? You've got, it's different in sports. It's three. Just live with it, Nick. Accept it. Come to the dark side. The no. Kansas City Chiefs will be a dynasty Sunday if they beat the 49ers. And it will thus end. I, so it's funny. I think it's going to end our, uh, Keith and my quarrel on this, uh, at least momentarily. And <laughs> the, 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 there'll be a the ceasefire. Until the next team gets in this situation <laughs> when we're like 50 and we'll be having the same fight. I do think if you win this one and you open up uh, the chance to be the first ever three-time-in-a-row Super Bowl winner. And again, I think the last time anybody won three championships in a row was the last NFL title and the first two Super Bowls for Green Bay. Right. And then I think Paul Brown won three or four straight uh, NFL titles with the Browns in the, the mid-50s. Like, that's it. So, like, you're going to go from, uh, are they a destiny, to if you win this year and next year, all of a sudden – you blow the roof off. It of- was three and five for Paul, by the way. It wasn't in a row. I was making a great point there. I, I One just, of the best ones I was I, doing. I know. I just was yeah. sorry for facts getting in the way yeah. of a great no, point. Okay. Or so we, I guess we don't count the, the titles in the other league. I guess, you know, going to short the, the AAFC. All-time. Yeah, that the, one. The NFL doesn't really recognize those. Bleep the NFL. <laughs> well, I don't. And bleep you uh, too. The, the, the NFL doesn't really recognize the... The Browns titles from the fifties these days anymore so, too, because you know football be football began with the Super Bowl era, and that's you know Nick Wilson, I've been Daryl Ryder. Here's the funny thing: I've caught myself calling you a different name three different times today. I, I mean, and it, nobody nobody's caught me almost calling you something else, and they were three different names. It wasn't like I almost called you Spencer three times. No, 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 three different names of people that work here because my brain it my brain is is fried at least you're not up on stage on national television calling the coach of the year steven stefanski yeah i like how they played that off it's like oh, oh, oh 
Oh, it's like, how did you get Steven? It's Kevin. It's right there. Like, what are we doing here? Do you know how many times they uh, were screwing up on the teleprompters or the pads or whatever that has the copy, as we call it, in the business, the mm-hmm. script? Um, there are about 150 screw-ups. And See, they're trying to turn the NFL honors into, like, the Oscars yes. NFL style. Yeah. And they're trying, like, first of all, uh, Keegan Michael Key or whatever his name is that was hosting, he's such he, a nice— He's not a stand-up. He—, he he, he, Awful. He's an improv guy. Yeah, and he's, and that's just really tough to make that transition and, for that and, style of show. And his improv was horrible last night. Like it wasn't great. I, it, it got to a point where it's like, can, can we just start handing awards out? Can we just like not hear you anymore? And can I also just say, just something? Listen, I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm. It's. It's. I'm. I don't, I'm not even funny. Okay. Um. I have no idea why they pay me. Yeah, you I don't are know definitely what I'm doing not here. nearly as funny as your dad was. Um. Okay. But you get. The, but I will say the thing about you. You got the physical comedy. Okay, my dad's been dead eleven years. You got to bring this up right now. You want? We gotta start bringing up dads because we. I can bring up dads. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, you know how much your dad meant. to No, me. I do, and that is uh, he was funnier than me, so I I do not take offense to that. But when it comes to that thing that you have to do, it is just so hard to nail that specific lane. Yeah. And the they improv guys just kind of do this giggly thing. Especially when they screw up. Yeah, and like I, I don't know, man. Like you mentioned, they wanted to turn it into the Oscars. I can respect that they want to they want to make this thing important, but like, and we watch like it's the NFL, right? I mean, we watch. Well, okay, I guess we don't watch the Pro Bowl. I saw the ratings for that, but <laughs> oh, you mean the Pro Bowl games? Oh, sorry. the Pro Bowl games. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the, the Pro- but no, I mean, it. I at some point, I don't know. I just think we have too many award show guys. Like we got. Uh, and the winner is and, and well, just, and none of it's interesting. Steven Stefanski. Like, and the Steven Stefanski thing, I, I, I actually kind of get how you get from Steven to Kevin. Like, if all you see is the Vin, I totally get it. But like, I mean, that's a bit. If you want it to be awesome, yeah, then you, you know kind of got to blow it all I, out. I, I love you, but you're, 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 you're really stretching there to give those guys it out. I'm for trying. I'm, I'm trying to be nice about it. <laughs> I want to talk about something that was said about Brock Purdy in a moment here, but Matt's been waiting patiently. Matt, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, Nick. Uh, thanks for taking my call. First, I want to say I, I agree with you that we are in the middle of the Chiefs dynasty. Mm-hmm. So that uh, your guys' conversation when I was waiting kind of took a lot of my points. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I think a good way to look at the dynasty is are they a prominent team that repeated success at the beginning of the year if you bet hey, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. No one's going to look at you like you're an idiot. So with that being said, I would also say I think the Patriots could be considered one long dynasty because even that stretch when they weren't winning Super Bowls, I mean, they had the undefeated season and they were still constantly going to the conference championship or going to the Super Bowl and losing. So, I mean, I, I would say if you think the Chiefs are a dynasty now, I think you might have to say the Patriots were just one long dynasty because they were always the team to beat every year. So I'm, I think I'm you might have been listening out. I think you might have got me on the technicality there. I think I think I, oh, if you, I say you, one the, thing, the point that I was trying to make, and you told me no, that's two separate teams. I don't remember that point. I don't remember at any point you making a salient point. Uh, Ohio State has yet another new offensive coordinator, and uh, myself and Spencer German covered all. And the biggest college football news, including some pushback on Kirk Herbstreet on the latest Sons of the Shoe episode at 923thefan.com, the free Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, uh, 923thefan. And don't forget to follow the show 
uh, or follow along with the show, 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel. Make sure to hit uh, subscribe on that as well. And uh, you can see our faces, and I'm sorry about that face. Now, I think one of the other parts, I think anybody saying they think San Francisco is going to win is just rooting against Kansas City. I've yet to hear a salient point by anybody as to why Kansas City's going to lose in this game. Their receivers drop a ton of footballs. Yeah, I don't, but I, I think when you have the best defense in the game, I, I kind of think that's something that can offset it. Yeah. And, and I, I, listen, I, I don't disagree with you. I just, you, no, you asked, I got so you. I. <laughs> but I, I also say this. I think, I think if San Francisco does not score first, I'm talking seven, not three. If San Francisco does not score first, I don't think they have a chance in this game. So what you're saying is they probably should take the ball. If they I would toss. probably take the ball. But I think I think the Brock Purdy implications, like in the same way that I think people are rooting against Kansas City and that's informing their bets or their predictions, I think people have done the same thing, swinging the opposite direction with Brock Purdy where because there have been Brock Purdy doubters, and by the way, this has also happened for great quarterbacks in the NFL, so it does not mean that this doesn't mean he's a great quarterback. Right. But, like, I think people have oversimplified the Brock Purdy conversation of if you don't think Brock Purdy's a franchise quarterback or if you don't look at him and think he's responsible for the success of San Francisco, right. you're just being a hater. And I think that, or or Ross calls it, uh, Ross Tucker calls it draftism, no, it's not. If you watch him, he was not good against Detroit. For about three quarters of the AFC, or the NFC title game, he really wasn't that good. It's true. And if you look at, there were prolonged stretches this year, um, including from the Cleveland game, like four games in, where he wasn't that good. So the stats look really good, but if you actually watch it, I mean, when I say good, I'm just saying he's not elite. And that's just not who he is. So like, I think, I think part of this is, well, you're giving Mahomes all this credit. Oh, Brock Purdy's he's in that. No, he's not. I've heard people say the word elite for Brock Purdy. No, he's he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Who's winning who who's doing enough to win games. Yes. And and listen. He's it, not he's not carrying that team on yeah. his shoulders. Like, and I think like that's Patrick the Mahomes, distinction. Yeah, like I mean, Allen, like right. Lamar, like those guys right. are clearly carrying. And they are, they are, and, and not just that because of their contracts as well. They're right. exclusively behind the winning. Yeah, he he's not. Um, even in the the NFC Championship game with, with the the comeback that the 49ers had, like I wouldn't say that Brock Purdy carried them from twenty. You know, yeah. what was it twenty one down that they were? Yeah, like it, the best not- play in the game was the one where he overthrew. Uh, his wide receiver and the the Got cornerback yeah. b- bounced off his helmet and right into the hands of his wide receiver. Right. That was the best play of the game, San Francisco offensively, and it was an it should have been an interception. It was an accident, right? Yes. Um, and, th- and this this is similar to some of the like the Baker Mayfield discussion we we've had here uh, years ago, right? Um, it he, he, if he wins. This might be his shot to win it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's be honest about it. Because he, I agree with you. I don't think Brock Purdy's elite. I think he's a good quarterback. I think Kyle Shanahan does a good job because this is what good coaches do: playing to a player's strengths and yeah. trying to minimize exposing the weaknesses mm-hmm. of of a guy. Right? Also, help <laughs> helps to have the best running back in the game and uh, Debo and, and Deep Kittle right. and Ayuk. 
Right. And so he's got a supporting cast around him. So it's not necessarily on him. Whereas, like, I I would argue if Patrick Mahomes wins Sunday, aside setting our dynasty argument aside, right, I would argue that this would be the most impressive championship for the Chiefs just because of everything they went through this year. It looked like from the outside looking in, just watching the games on television, that there were cracks in the foundation. Things were falling apart. Guys are fighting with each other. Yeah. Pat Mahomes is yelling at people. You know what I'm There's saying? There's like, retirement rumors for Andy right. and for Travis and, Kelsey. And, and so so as, as we do in the media, right, we build you up to tear you down. I'm not proud of it, but that is just the reality, right? So we're all waiting for that train to jump the tracks. It never did. Receivers are dropping footballs. The jokes of, well, you know, if only Pat Mahomes could just throw it and catch it himself, he wouldn't have to, you know, deal with all these drops or whatever. Or Travis Kelsey's the only guy that can catch a cold on the team or whatever. Like, I, I think that this might be because of just how good Pat has been this year. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this might be the most impressive title because the Chiefs, I know you, you said they're the better team, and I don't disagree with you, but I don't think that they're at, as good of a team as they were in previous Super Bowl championships. You know what's funny about that is? Because I, I don't – the funny thing is, I actually think they are. I, I think if you have one salient wide receiver on Kansas City, I thought last year was the weak link simply because they had just traded Tyreek Hill and that that defense was rebuilding. So that was year yeah. one of Karloftis, year one of McDuffie. I think that was their first year without Teron Matthew. Uh, Justin Reed's first year in that system. Like, you look at the turnover on that defense, and, I mean, you didn't know if you were going to have Chris Jones with all the contractual drama. Yeah. Like, I thought last year was the logical point where if you're going to lose, this is the that one. That was the one to lose. And I think the only way in which they're worse is – got a lot of the same guys, by the way. But it's just to me, it's not- the offense. Like the, the, that offense this year never seemed to hum along like we had seen it. You, you know, know what I mean? Funny like about it, that, it just felt like they kept hitting potholes through the. But while winning, it, it granted, I realized they were winning, and and a big reason why they were winning was because their defense. I would put the way their defense, like that's what we were hoping the Browns were going to do in the playoffs. Like what we've seen from this Kansas yeah. City, like what they did the Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in Baltimore, was very impressive. So I don't think it's that the offense – okay, I I don't think the offense is as good. I also think it looks different. It kind of like is tipped, right? Well, the, but the now, defense like has they, gotten better, they, but the offense but ha- they, isn't as – But they actually run the ball better. So, yeah. you know, with Pacheco, this is arguably his best year. And honestly, their best year from a running back on Kansas City since Kareem. So, like, at, at his very peak there before things came crashing down. So, like – I look at it, and I'm like, the wide receiver thing is fair. I think the wide receiver thing, enough drops, five drops in the Super Bowl, that's enough to take you from a 20-point win to a seven-point win, right? Or you are sweating it out. Yeah. Or you might lose. But I don't think that's going to happen. if you're dropping touchdowns, because it's it's also where do those drops occur? Yeah. Are they occurring in the red zone, the end zone, right? Yeah. Are they occurring on third down and you have to punt instead of keeping a drive alive, right? If, if if it's a drop on first down, well, you live to fight two more plays and you, you still got a shot there. But um, And drops in I, the end zone is I, some of the things we, we've seen in the playoffs in general. But, like, I just I, – I think everybody's putting it on the wide receivers, and I think it is a fair thing. I, look, I, 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 think I, their offense, I, I think their offense is – I think the, the, the tails of the offense isn't good enough. 
I think we're holding that up against previous Mahomes offenses. I'm not saying and it's I not think, good enough. I'm just saying it's, it's I just not, think it looks different. It's not the standard that we've become accustomed to seeing from Kansas City. We're talking about the Brock Purdy thing. I, I My opinion of Brock really isn't going to change all that much just from winning. If he goes out there on Sunday and throws for 300 yards, looks like the better quarterback, and San Francisco wins, I'll start to think differently. But, like, this is one of those cases where, like, and this is where I do think, like, in the NFL, I don't think it's players. I think it's all because coaches and PR speak has gotten into it. And, well, hey, you've won. You've been to two NFC title games. So, clearly, like, at some point, it's okay to have a differing opinion on him. And you know how I know? Because there were about 256 picks of people disagreeing <laughs> or actually in agreeance that Brock Purdy was not worth that selection or agreement or, or in agreement. Thank you. So like I look at this and I'm like, okay, like if he's the reason they win, I change my opinion immediately. There's like 97 other possibilities of this game where I'm, I'm still saying, yeah, man, he won, but dot, dot, dot. Like, I think if the 49ers win on Sunday, it's because Christian McCaffrey is your best player right. and he takes over that game. 100%. But the, the the odd thing is, is I was just looking at the numbers for both of these quarterbacks. Brock Purdy had the better statistical season than Patrick Mahomes did, which is odd. It feels odd falling out of my mouth that mm -hmm. way. He threw for more yards. He threw more touchdowns, uh, a higher completion percentage. Granted, it was like, uh, you know, I, uh, he, he was around 69%. Mahomes was at 67%, but like it it is weird to think about because I agree with you. Like, I don't feel like Brock Purdy is elite, but I think that And game, like I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Like, but like Cam Newton got I'm a bunch tell you of crap right now, for though, calling him a game manager. I like, I'm gonna tell I, you right why now. Why is that a pejorative? It, well, if he wins on Sunday, and that's and I I realize it's a big if, and it in my view, it's a little bit of an uphill climb uh for the for the 49ers. But if he wins on Sunday, he's gonna get paid. Like I, I, that's I think that's just the reality. And I'll be honest with you, even though he's not elite and whatever, right? He is vastly underpaid for what think, for what he's delivered. The 49ers. Now, granted, the the 49ers aren't gonna be in the same contractual I mean, he's situation. He's like rooming with teammates. Well, okay, <laughs> but that's because he, he. I mean, plays I realize in, it's San Francisco. That's and what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you beat me to it. But I do think, like for what you just said there, I, you're not on the deadline the, the Eagles were last year, where I thought Jalen Hurts actually outplayed Mahomes. Yeah, I thought that was the best losing performance by a quarterback I've ever seen yeah. in a Super Bowl. Jalen was one of one, and that being said, they had the the thing of now you got to pay him, and now one year later, all of a sudden we we look a little different. I would just say to San Francisco. You don't have to pay Brock Purdy until you have to pay Brock Purdy. And he's got one more year on his deal. I think after that, he becomes a restricted free agent. I would just let it play out if he wins. I would, I just, I think we, I think, I think, uh, ironically, it doesn't look right right now because. Uh, you feel because about he, Brock Purdy similar to how a lot of fans felt about Baker Mayfield. Um, like, yeah. not like good enough to get you so far, but he is not the guy that's going to win you championships. But here's the problem. Brock Purdy might win a championship. Well, but again, that's Say not. It. But it matters whether he was the reason or not that you won, and that context does matter. 
because, but like Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco theoretically was the reason that the Browns why, why, won. Well, right, no, okay. by, why the Ravens won that championship. Right. Yeah. If you look at the 16 games before so that, what you're and saying if you look at the 64 games after, it wasn't the reason they were winning. So what you're saying is, is that uh, Brock Purdy better win the Super Bowl MVP here? Um, he better look like the reason that they win and the number one reason they win. Now, uh, we did have a former NFL, now college coach again, go full Hugh Jackson. And my favorite thing with Hugh, Hugh, especially after he got fired by the Browns, Hugh never met uh, a quarterback that after they hit it big, he didn't love. I mean, he wanted them to draft Mahomes. He wanted them to draft Deshaun. He wanted them to draft whomever was good. And by the way, some of them aged terribly. Oh, of course I wanted Jared Goff when he was in the Super Bowl. And like two years later, Jared was on the way out, and Hugh was like, uh, I don't want that guy. Like Hugh, so like Hugh had this reputation. He um, blew with the breeze. Like I, if I remember, I remember there being a claim about Dak Prescott. Like I, I'm just saying there were like five quarterbacks that it has come out after the fact that that Hugh wanted. There's this Cleveland. thing called the, the 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 BS meter. Yeah. And um, the, the the problem with Hugh in the NFL is guys don't really buy in once that they start seeing that meter move. Yes. And uh, with with Hugh, it was pegged in the red. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> and it everyone went about knew it. Well, that's why he hasn't really gotten a lot yeah. of tr- jobs trust, since then. Tr- trust me on Cody. Ke- Third round quarterback Cody Kessler. Trust you me. You know what the sad thing about that is? That wasn't his his pick. I know, but he I'm just didn't saying. Even, how but he how was, bummed out do you have to be? He was so full of himself that he was like, "I'm going to be the team guy here and." Back there. Trust me. The on this one, one time he did it was the one time it logically could have bit him in the ass. Now, while we're talking about going full Hugh Jackson, Matt Rule, who I think, and I covered him in Charlotte. I had the chance to have like closed door meetings with him. I think Matt Rule is a legitimately good football coach. He's just not an NFL coach. He also has a little Hugh Jackson to his game, and Matt Rule was talking about his love for Brock Purdy going into the draft process when he was the head coach in Carolina. You're going to listen to this. I think Brock Purdy is an amazing player because I played against him at Iowa State. When I was in the draft room at Carolina, I, I brought his name up. I said, hey, guys, he should be on the draft board. I got vetoed on that one, but um, uh, you can ask Coop. But I, uh, I think, I mean, we used to tell our guys when we played Brock Purdy, we're like, do not, do not fall for his pump fake, right? Because Brock would come out, he'd pump fake. And first game, he gets, he's 10 yards down the field, he pump fakes, our DBs are jumping. I'm like, guys, he's past the line of scrimmage, so... A lot of respect for Brock. So here's the problem. That's the year they took Matt Corral with a third-round pick. and um, <laughs> But he got if, vetoed. And there's a video out there for, that the Panthers had put out uh, during draft time where uh, Matt Rule is, like, fist-pumping and talking up Matt Corral. So, like, I just think here's why it's a bad look. Because, okay, well, he wasn't on the draft board. That doesn't paint a great picture of the scenario you're in. Two, the guy that was clearly on your draft board that you okayed them taking ended up being an absolute bust in the NFL. Yeah. So, like, okay, hypothetically, and he's asking Evan Cooper was his defensive backs coach at at Carolina, and now is at uh, Nebraska with him. What's that guy going to say? No, 100%. Yeah, coach wanted him. Like, I just – I, I, I want to have, and I, we can either call it the Hugh rule, we can call it the Hugh Jackson rule, we can uh, the Hugh Jackson is here, baby, rule. We can do it the, the one in the, 31. The Matt Rule rule. Like, I think if you go ahead and it's a quarterback you didn't draft and a quarterback that clearly, if he wasn't on the draft board, you had no intention of drafting. I think if you're, if you're, if you're going to profess your love, you need to tell me you're stank. You need to tell me exactly the guy that you wanted them to draft 
that turned out to be Bubkiss. Because I know for a fact, from not from Matt, but for other people, that he did want to take Justin Fields in 2021, and he was vetoed on that. I also know of another quarterback that went in the first round that he wanted that turned out to be straight booty cheeks, and he wanted that guy more than he wanted Justin Fields. I just – I. I like, do coaches not realize how bad you sound when you're like, oh, I wanted this guy. Everybody, everybody knows. Like, talk to, talk to my priest. Everybody knows I wanted this guy. Like, what, 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 what do you think you're doing here? You're not going to get retroactive credit for claiming that you want it. You know, guys, I, I knew that, uh, I knew Wolf of Wall Street was going to be Scorsese's best move. Talk, talk to anybody before I saw it. Talk to anybody that was around me, and I knew it. Right. I know what's uh oh my god what's like a a hit out of nowhere oh I knew the Marvel verse I knew before I saw Iron Man that it was gonna be the biggest thing in change cinema I knew it everybody talk to me twenty four year old Nick Wilson knew hey guys the lottery numbers last uh, last week I knew them I just didn't play them didn't want to I was like I got money I'm good living out in Manaway it's palatial I knew them though yeah of course I did what do you think I am some kind of idiot I don't know the lottery numbers. Yeah. Like, hey, hey guys, uh, of course I know Kate Upton's number. <laughs> of course I do. Yeah, I just don't call her or have it in my phone. Of course I know, though. If I wanted to, I could call her tomorrow. I don't want to. Happily married man. Why would I do that? Like, like, and here's the thing. Like, Matt is such a genuinely nice guy. I do not understand what, what c- compels somebody to think, I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to sound like, like just an a, idiot. Li- well, like a liar. That's what it is. And like, and it's in fairness, like Matt doesn't know that Hugh Jackson did that. Matt probably doesn't know that there are other coaches every year that get fired. They're like, I love that guy. But to me, what it is, it's the greatest excuse in the NFL. Did Matt ever say that a quarterback workout made the ground move under his feet? Uh, no. Which was that? Which that one? was you for RG three? Oh, well, he could have had like a, a tremor or something. Could have had like a you know, you never know. He was a middle aged man at that point. Maybe maybe it wasn't hydrated, right? Saying. So that's my rule. That is my rule. And I don't know. I, I just think this is a Super Bowl where there are a lot of people rooting for things that don't necessarily have a chance of happening. And I think it kind of all starts with Brock Purdy. So me rooting for a good game doesn't have a good shot at happening? No, I don't think it does. Okay. No. No, that's fair. Like I, I don't care who wins I because, like I said, I see a great story on both sides. Dynasty on one. And Mr. Irrelevant getting to wear a Super Bowl ring. Because I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think the last has the last guy in the draft ever won a Super Bowl. You know, the only thing is... Usually the last guy in the draft doesn't make the roster. There's one. There are two people in, in, in Super Bowl conversations I don't buy. Okay. The first one is, I'm happy with whatever happens. Because once you get into the game, your opinion changes. I think so. I don't you don't care. believe me right now when I say no. I'm, I'm just rooting for a good game. No, I think one. You, I have I, no. Well, I have no I, rooting interest in this game whatsoever. I believe you I right no, now. I have no skin in the game. I don't. I believe you right now. But the time that game kicks off, you're going to get into it, and by the end of that game, you're going to be rooting for somebody. At some point, you're going to be like, bleep these Chiefs, bleep the 49ers. Something will happen, and, and you, you will know flip what? The switch. I hate right now that you're 100 percent right. It's everybody. <laughs> and the other guy that I don't blow and keep on this up. It pains me to say that. Yes. And, and you know what? We're going to put it on your permanent record here like it's in school. <laughs> but the other thing. I've just and, been written up by Nick Wilson. And, and Keith was 100% right. The, uh, oh, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl because my team isn't in on it. Bull crap. You know how I know? I see the ratings every single year. 
150 million, half of the American population are going to watch this game. More than I, half. I, More I, than I, half. I thought the entire city of Cleveland was going to start stop watching Major League Baseball in this town because they changed the name. <sighs> Why'd you have to go there? The point is. It's the like, same point. The, That's and also, why. <laughs> I don't buy it when Cleveland, when people are like, I'm not buying, I'm not watching the Super Bowl because the Browns aren't in it. It's like. Uh, and, Cleveland and then the every come year out has, Cleveland's yes. the number one market for the Super Bowl. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.